Welcome back to Diffuse Congruence, the American Muslim Experience. This is episode 124, and I am Prabez Ahmed, your host, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Omar Ansari. Assalamualaikum, Prabez. Assalamualaikum, listeners. It's great to be here. Hope everybody's enjoying their summer. Yeah, that's right. Well, summer's over. Schools are back, but... Uh, for some of us. Yeah, some for of some us. For some of us. I guess uh, it just depends where you're at in the country. That's right. Some folks are still enjoying their nice summer, and others are just back to the grind. That's right. Um, and I guess uh, we wanted to quickly give an update to something we had talked about last time. And uh, for those keeping up with the story of our cousin, uh, Asim Wafur, um, Alhamdulillah, by God's grace, he's uh, back with his family. Um, he was released and uh, safe and sound with his family. So we were absolutely delighted. Um, for those of our listeners who wrote to their congressman or reached out to folks, uh, thank you so much for everything that you did. Um, but uh, yeah, a success story, at least for now. Yeah, Alhamdulillah. I think it was a month and yeah. end a month of just probably extreme worry yeah. uh, by the family and and by all of us who, who, who know and care about Asim. Um, so yeah, Alhamdulillah is a, is a huge relief to know that he is back home with his family and healthy and safe, Alhamdulillah. Yeah, I guess at whatever point, you know, he's, I don't know if he's ever gonna be comfortable talking about his experience, but you know, as, as I had mentioned on the last episode, he's definitely a guest that I've wanted to have on the show. I think Omar and I both have wanted to have on the show. So let's see if we can uh, get him back and see if, yeah, get him on the show, sorry, and see if he's, uh, I, I don't know, at all willing to talk about his experiences. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we are here today, and this has been sort of a long time in the making. And I guess a quick shout out, I wanna thank uh, Moise Rafiq, uh, who is an attorney here in the Bay Area, a listener of the show, who was kind of actually instrumental in putting this together. But um, we have the delight and the honor and the good fortune of sitting with uh, Dr. Muzalmul Siddiqui, who I consider to be truly one of the giants of the American Muslim community, um, someone who's been a absolutely tireless leader in our midst. And, uh, you know, we have this amazing opportunity to sit with him. Um, and I think what, what really, for me, separated when I, you know, I've told you the story, Omar, that, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast when we, Zaki and I first started it so many years ago, was really to capture the story of people like Dr. Siddiqui. In fact, you know, I remember even thinking about Dr. Siddiqui in particular, particular among many of the people that I wanted to have on this sort of wish list of guests that I would love to sort of sit with and talk about their life story. But um, anyway, here we are, seven, whatever nine years sorry nine years later um but anyway i i guess yeah i mean how, how do you yeah i mean you know i i i enjoy all these conversations um you know you know me i'm a pretty social guy I like i like talking to people and just yeah. interacting but but some of the some of the some of the conversations also have the added benefit of just spiritual uplift mm. and um this you know this conversation inshallah yeah. provides that so uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's it's definitely an honor, it's definitely a privilege, uh, and and just thanks yeah. to to you also for just making it happen. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I you know I, I owe a lot of gratitude to uh, uh, Moise who sort of was instrumental in push, putting this together. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, you know, not only is he one of like do I consider Dr. Siddiqui one of the giants of our American Muslim community, but also like I mean, I think he represents a style of leadership, a you know someone on the national stage pre 
internet sensation, I would say, where, you know, someone who was highly respected as a scholar, as a thought leader, as a leader in our community, uh, without all the fanfare, you know, without all the fanfare, without all the, you know, this was before the age of social media, this was before the age of, you know, I think a lot of the sort of, um, um, you know, celebrity preacher culture that, uh, you know, and we've talked about this, on, you know, on, on the show, but that, that's become sort of emblematic in the Muslim community. So, it, again, it's just a real honor to, to, to be able to sit with Dr. Siddiqui. Um, just a quick bio about Dr. Siddiqui. I mean, Dr. Muzalma Siddiqui was born in India in 1943, received his Islamic education at Darul Ulum Najwatul Ulama, which is in Lucknow, India. He graduated from the Islamic University of Medina in Saudi Arabia in 1965 with a higher degree in Arabic and Islamic studies. And then he received his MA in theology from Birmingham University in England and a PhD in comparative religion from Harvard University. Dr. Siddiqui has worked with several um, Islamic organizations in Switzerland, England, and the United States. He has served as leadership among various Muslim organizations and centers. Um, he served two terms as president of ISNA, Islamic Society of North America. And since 1981, he has served as the director of right here where we're sitting today, which is the director of the Islamic Society of Orange County in Garden Grove, California. So um, he's also the chairman, I should mention, of the FIC Council of North America. So again, a, a bio that reads quite as long as uh, I think the conversation that we hope to have with you. Um, and so, Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Siddiqui. Welcome to the Diffuse Congruence podcast. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you very much for coming. No, we are, we are so delighted and honored. Um, when I, you know, what, one of the reasons that we set out to do this podcast was to be able to capture the stories of, mashallah, the leaders whose shoulders we stand on today as a community. And you're certainly one of those and one of the pioneers of our community, mashallah. So we are very honored. We're sitting here in your beautiful office in Orange County. So that's even better to be um, in your home, as it were, that you've been, or a place that you've called home for, what, 20 plus years now, mashallah, and even oh, longer. More than 40 years. More than 40 years, <laughs> yeah. mashallah. And just, yeah. just echoing that, it's definitely a, an honor and a pleasure yeah. to be here. And, and as, as I get older, I think, we realize how difficult it is just to raise children and, and balance, you know, balance just living in America with helping out the community. So we appreciate it more and more as we get older and, you know, raise families ourselves and get entrenched with just the busyness of life. So, um, yeah, I just want to, again, you know, show our appreciation for, for everything, but mm -hmm. also the time today. I yeah. thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, all of this is by His bounty. MashaAllah. Um, and, and we have a lot to cover with you, and I want to be mindful of your time as well. So, um, as we mentioned in the biography, you know, you were born um, in 1943 in Rampur, um, India. Um, I think there's something sort of special about Rampur. I, I think I've heard you on other occasion, or I've read somewhere, that the name Rampur itself, there was, I think, another name for the town originally, and it changed. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about those sort of early experiences you had um, Rampur being, of course, a town in Uttar Pradesh. Uh, Rampur is about 120 miles uh, east northeast of Delhi. Um, it's, uh, I mean, its population has now grown to almost 400,000 people, but uh, at the time when I was born, it was about 100,000 people. 
So from Indian standards, it's a small town. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. it's, it's a city, but it has history. Uh, it was a princes, princely estate uh, during the British time. Uh, and then when the, after the independence of India, uh, it was merged with the Indian Union. Uh, its rulers were Muslims, and the population of the city is uh, mostly Muslim. So it is a city of Islamic culture and uh, Islamic uh, literature also. For in the Urdu language, people talk about Lucknow, Delhi, and then they talk about Rampur. Yeah. So famous for its poetry, for its literary work, great poets. Uh, the Nawabs of Rampur were great patrons of, uh, of learning as well as for uh, uh, they established very good library. Uh, during the time of uh, the first Nawab of Rampur, Fazullah Khan, uh, they established a library, purchased a lot of manuscripts from all over in Arabic, uh, Persian, uh, Urdu, uh, and other th languages. So it has uh, more than 12,000 uh, rare manuscripts, actually. Wow. And so it's, uh, it's known as Raza Library. And it is now in one of the mm, palaces of the Nawab, uh, Hamid Manzil. And uh, a lot of people come from all over to visit the library. And it has a beautiful Jamaasid. Uh, it has the other schools. But when I was growing up, at that time, uh, Jamaat Islami of India uh, moved its headquarters to Rampur. So many leaders of Jamaat Islami came and they were visiting the city also. So we had some of the prominent leaders, scholars uh, who were there and they established uh, an Islamic school, uh, primary school, uh, which is called Darsgah Islami and uh, it was a boarding school for boys. Mm. And uh, so I was in the boarding school, uh, although it was not too far from my home. It's only about 20 uh, minutes walk from my <laughs> home. But my parent wanted me to, to be in the boarding school more uh, in this uh, Islamic environment and Tarbiya and all of these things. They were very concerned about that. My father uh, joined Jamaat Islami. Uh, with the influence of his friend, Maulana Muhammad Abdul Hay, who became later my father-in-law also. So Maulana Muhammad Abdul Hay and my father were very close to each other. Maulana Muhammad Abdul Hay was the founder of Maktaba al-Hasanat, and uh, he used to publish many magazines, Al-Hasanat, Noor, Hadi, Ujala, and other uh, publications. He was a great writer, prolific writer. So he's the one who influenced my father uh, to read the books of Maulana Madhudi and, and join Jamaat Islami. So I grew up in that kind of environment, which mm. is a very religious environment. Right. My father was uh, uh, a government employee, civil servant, and he had a very good position, but he resigned from his position because he found that his job would not allow him to offer his prayers on time. 
So he, he left that and he was looking for other kind of works and business. Alhamdulillah, he did quite well after that as well. And uh, I have, uh, uh, we had uh, nine siblings, um, including myself. Uh, big uh, big family, Muslim. We, we were five boys and four girls. Uh, my two sisters passed away. Yeah. Uh, the eldest one was married to Maulana Muhammad Yusuf Islahi. Of course. And the youngest one uh, was not well, so she passed away. Uh, so we are now uh, seven. Uh, I'm the eldest son, and uh, we have four other brothers and three sisters now. Uh, two sisters, actually, yeah, now. So, uh, alhamdulillah, it's a good family. Mashallah. Uh, yeah. My Mas parents were very uh, concerned about uh, our Islamic upbringing, yeah. and uh, he wanted very much uh, that I study Islam and uh, become a, a scholar and a uh, Islamic uh, you know, person yeah. with, you know, so with Islamic education. You know, that's very interesting because the, the th two things you mentioned are things that we think about today for our kids, Not, you know, being able to pray at work, also making sure that our children are raised as Muslims. I think maybe some of us take for granted that in, the, in Muslim countries, it was just automatic, but it sounds like we actually had families ha and parents, fathers and mothers had to make effort, even back then, yeah. to rate to pass on Islam to their kids. So it's, it's a reminder; it didn't it didn't just come easy. It's still there was still an intention and an effort even back then. I'd love to hear about just life as what 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 the Muslim environment was like back then, and even the your description of like living with minorities in India. That's something that sounds very interesting to learn more about as well. Or living as a minority in India. Yeah, may Allah, may Allah yeah. bless them. Yeah. Um, they were very observant of the religion. I mean, uh, go to masjid regularly for prayers and uh, make sure that we pray. Uh, my mother, uh, she one time, she told me that if you pray 40 prayers uh, in the masjid with jama'ah and the first takbir, I will give you some prize. <laughs> so I, this was like 40 days I continued doing that and then I got used to it and uh, also reading Quran every day so both of them they used to read Quran after Fajr prayer uh, we, used, we grew up hearing the recitation of the Quran so may Allah SWT bless them and give them the place I mean give them honor in the Jannah inshallah inshallah Amen. I mean um, so you mentioned uh, I, I think one of the things I was curious about. Um, you, obviously, this is pre-partition India. Um, in your early childhood, you know, what were some of the interactions with you know people of other community, you know, other faith communities in India, um, especially in the U in UP when partition happened? You know, what, what were those? You know, how was that period Rampur of time? Do you remember? Rampur had large Muslim population, yeah. although there are also many Hindus. And uh, we were very, uh, it was a peaceful city. Uh, the relationship between Muslims and Hindus, they were not uh, people of other faiths, and some Sikh, of course. Right. They came from uh, the Punjab area, settled in that area. So, uh, relationship was very good, and my father was well respected by uh, Hindus also. And we had uh, uh, some good neighbors from the Hindu community. 
So the relationship was almost like, um, you know, people of uh, same town, right. same thing. So we never had any problem with the Hindu community in Rampur. Uh, and uh, uh, that was, of course, uh, I was born in 1943 and 1948. You have the establishment of Pakistan, independence of India, division of India. Right. So um, there were some uh, commotions, demonstrations, you see that, and then we used to hear a lot of riots taking place in a city called Muradabad, which is only 17 miles from Rampur, and in Bareilly also. So those uh, close-by cities had problems, but uh, somehow with the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the city of Rampur remained peaceful. Uh, my, uh, one of my mother's uncle was Maulana Muhammad Ali Jauhar and uh, Shaukat Ali. So Maulana Muhammad Ali and Shaukat Ali, these are the people who are known as independence uh, <coughs> leaders, uh, leaders who are involved in the independence struggle of India. Wow. Um, he went to uh, the Round Table Conference uh, to London <laughs> and uh, there he made saying that if you ha I want to go back with, to with independent India, otherwise you have to give me a place for my grave here. Uh, he died there, but his, his grave was in Jerusalem, so he's buried uh, in the compound of Masjid al-Aqsa. When I visited Masjid al-Aqsa, I visited his grave and prayed for him. Wow. So he was a great, uh, we were very proud of that. Uh, that uh, he was involved and uh, he was a great writer in English, uh, published uh, magazines and and is a poet as well. So Muhammad Ali George's influence is there. Yeah, and then yeah. you mentioned, um, of course, your who would become your brother-in-law or um, Maulana Yusuf Islahi, Rahimullah, um, who passed away in 2021, just last year. We lost him. Yeah. Um, he was your uh, sister's. Uh, brother, I mean, excuse me, sister's husband. Yeah, my elder sister's husband. Okay, and so you ended up after I think primary school. You you went to the school that he was at, or he was, or he. What was no, the relationship? He, he was. Uh, uh, he graduated from that school. Madrasas, okay. And then when I finished my primary school in Rampur, Darsga, um, we were uh, thinking to go to some school. Um, and uh, Maulana Islahi was uh, just married to my sister. So he suggested that I go to Madrasatul Islah. Being the f um, brother-in-law, recently married, of course, my parents listened to him <laughs> right. much more. So so he, he is the one who accompanied me okay. uh, to Sarai Mir Adamgarh. So I was there and then I was admitted and uh, of course the teachers uh, there they recognized Maulana Yusuf Islahi very much and respected him. So I was uh, admitted and uh, well treated because being the brother of Maulana Yusuf Islahi. Uh, but unfortunately after a few months uh, there was a uh, flu epidemic. So a lot of people got, students got sick and the teachers got sick and I got sick. and. Uh, that was uh, 
difficult. Yeah, I think this is the 1958, 57, 58, 59 flu I've heard about. Yes. Correct? Yes. Yeah. In India, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Good memory. With this thing, uh, I, I was already homesick. <laughs> and now, I'm more homesick when I was sick. Right. So. And you're just a teenager as well, correct? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, then um, my parents called me and said to come back. So I went back. So I spent about three months in uh, Madrasul Islah in Sraimir. Uh, so I don't claim any that I got much <laughs> from there. Right. But I met Malan Akhtar Ahsan Islahi, the great scholar of Quran mm. and other scholars. Uh, I remember I used to go in the afternoon to Malan Akhtar's uh, Bangla and uh, many some students used to gather after Asr there and uh, Malan Akhtar uh, used to make very good tea. So I remember drinking some tea with him <laughs> and learning. But at that time, of course, I was very young. Uh, he is uh, one of the prominent students of Maulana Hamiduddin Farahi. And he kept manuscripts of Maulana Hamiduddin's writings. writings. So he and Amin Hassan Islahi were uh, classmates. Okay. Yeah. Mashallah. So you know, I I, I mentioned, of course, I not, of course I knew the connection, but um, Maulana Yusuf Islahi. Um, I re- I have a my distinct memory when I was 12 years old. My uh, we were visiting India. Uh, I'm from we're we're from Hyderabad, and uh, my uncle, who was very interested in my you know, tarbiya and my like making sure that I had the resources that I need, um, took me to a bookstore and and just bought me, just. Uh, uh, you know, any any book he could find off the off the bookshelf. I think that he wanted me to, or wanted to ensure that I read. And so, in that collection, there was obviously there was plenty of books by uh, Abul Hasan Ali Nadwi, Rahimullah. Who, of mm-hmm. course, we'll, we'll we'll talk about him very soon. But um, as far as fiqh was concerned, he <coughs> bought me um, Everyday Fiqh, which was the English yes. translation of Maulana Yusuf Islahi's Asan Fiqh. Asan Fiqh, yes. Yeah, mashallah. So, um, that's definitely connected to him from a very early childhood. And at that time, not even knowing Hanafi versus Maliki or whatever, but the jurisprudence that I learned besides observing my parents was, you know, from everyday Fiqh, mashallah. So, uh, very indebted to him. And then years later, I would meet him in Houston. He came and gave a lecture um, at the masjid. This would have been the 90s, so... He was, um, yeah, so anyway, Allah, we lost Allah, a tremendous his, uh, his book, Asan uh, Fiqh, uh, became very popular and it's still very popular. Yeah, that's what, I guess and that was my point. Uh, yeah. Interesting thing is that uh, this book was uh, translated into English uh, by, uh, I don't remember the name, by someone in Pakistan. Uh-huh. And it was published without his name, without the name of Malaysia's life. The translator's name was there, but not Maulana Yusuf's life mm. name. And uh, when Maulana came for time to uh, to America, I told him about that. So he was uh, shocked. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the, the, the book is published by somebody else's name, not his name. So he worked on that. Okay. And uh, he asked me to review the book and see the translation. So I reviewed the translation. And then after that, uh, it was published in his name. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I think um, I, now you want me to, it, 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 you know, I'm, I'm wanting to go home and look at my bookshelf as soon as I get home. But I'm pretty sure his name was on there because that would be the only way I would be familiar with that name, you know. 
mm-hmm. so, uh, from my childhood or from my from a young age. So I'm pretty sure at least the edition that I had had his name. Well, yeah. And otherwise, like I said, I, I don't know how else I would have the name, you know, Muhammad Islahi would become such yeah, a part of my vernacular. The edition that came after 1970. Oh, this would have been 78. Yeah. I think they have. Okay, so I, I don't know how old I look to you, but yeah, <laughs> this would have been in the 1980s. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my but uh, but yeah, my point of mentioning that was just, of course, just to, again the connection, but also, um, you know, everyday fiqh, asan fiqh, and everyday fiqh was such a that was like the book that you would give a young child or or, or a person wanting to learn the um, you know the rights of the five pillars of Islam, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mashallah. So, uh, so now after you finish your even, let's say, high school level uh, education, is this where you go to? You consider your options and you transition to Nadwatul Ulama? Yeah, after I came back from Madrasatul Islah okay. of Sraimir, I was at home, uh, of course, recovering from the sickness of flu, and then uh, so uh, I spent. Uh, almost a year and a half uh, in Rampur and at that time I did kind of uh, uh, went from one teacher to another learning Arabic and then also taking few exams in Urdu literature and Persian literature I learned some Persian as well and uh, then also I went to Aligarh to uh, uh, to take the high, high school exam they used to have an external uh, an exam for the external students. So I had um, high school uh, uh, certificate. And uh, so after taking all these certificates of in Urdu literature and Persian literature and English uh, uh, at high school, uh, then I, I had a teacher in Rampur. His name was Maulana Jalil Ahsan Nadavi. Uh, he has a famous book called Rahi Amal, collection of hadith. So I used to go to him every day to learn Arabic, study hadith and Quran, and he suggested that I should go to Nadwa and pursue my further studies in Nadwa. And he told me that go and attach yourself to Abul Hassan, <laughs> Abul Hassan in Nadwi. So that's um, I became interested to go. So I told my parent and um, my father and Maulana Yusuf Islahi, my brother-in-law, and um, uh, we all went to Lucknow. Uh, in Lucknow, I had my grandfather, my mother's father. So he used to live there. So we went to his home, and, um, and then we all went together. And there was one of my uncles, Maulana uh, Mustansullah, Sheikh Mustansrullah was a prominent leader of Lucknow. Uh, he was also there. So we get like a whole delegation, <laughs> five, six people. We went there to Nadwa and Maulana Abul Hassan, uh, he was very happy. Right. And he invited us to come and have breakfast with him. So it's we amazing. had breakfast and uh, he said that, oh, that's very nice They have uh, somebody from a, such a prominent family coming here to Nadwa. So I was uh, uh, tested which class I should go. You know, Nadwa has several programs. One is the primary education, okay. and then after that, Islamic 
studies program, seven years for alim, and then two years for fadil, and then after that, research students for fatwa and other things. So I was tested, and uh, because of my knowledge of Arabic and uh, Islamic studies, I uh, was admitted uh, to the fifth class. So I, instead of spending seven years in the alim program, I started with the fifth year. Right, so. And uh, so I spent about three years in Nadwa. Okay. So it was like a placement exam based on Yeah, placement exam. So that's the right. uh, exam. Was, and I was, uh, I passed uh, the test very well throughout. I mean, I was one of the very good students there. Actually, I received next year, following year, I received some scholarship from Nadwa. Very small amount, which was well, like, almost like 100 rupees. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was a good thing to have that like every get every s- nine nine eight r- rupees every month mm. stipend <laughs> yeah it's so amazing that uh, now at that time I imagine I mean it wasn't much but nine ten rupees bought you more than yes. the purchasing power <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> so, and um, so I is, uh, studied uh, there. Hadith, Quran, Fiqh, and Arabic language. I was very interested to pursue uh, Arabic studies. Okay. And the Molana Abrasnali Nadwi's nephew, Molana Muhammad Rabi Nadwi. May Allah bless him and keep him in good health. Molana Rabi Nadwi was one of the teachers of Arabic literature. Okay. And he was. I was in his class in Nadwa, and I spoke to him and I said that I would like to have some special classes uh, with you to study some books in Arabic. Uh, he was very gracious. He accepted that and he says, well, the only time is that you have to come to my masjid uh, in the evening and uh, after the Maghrib prayer, I can give you some time. So I used to go from my grandfather's home uh, to go on my bike to Aminabad and then the, go to Govan Road where the masjid was and uh, go and pray Maghrib there and after Maghrib he would pray his nawafil <laughs> so I used to wait <laughs> and do my homework at that time and uh, then after that he will give me like half an hour uh, so I read several books in Arabic uh, with him and not only that, but he used to ask me to whatever I read, I sh- uh, should make a uh, diary, a summary of that. And so this helped me to, to, to write Arabic, to compose Arabic. So I became quite good in composition of Arabic. So it was reading Arabic, understanding Arabic, composition of Arabic, and not the speak, not um, spoken Arabic we did not do there. Right. But I was, uh, uh, it helped me a lot. I thank him. Uh, may Allah bless him. Uh, that is um, my knowledge of Arabic. Really, I goes back to him. Indeed, Rabi Nadwi, after uh, the death of Malana Bursan, <coughs> became the head of Nadwa, and he is uh, still heading Nadwa. Okay. And he is the leader of a Muslim Personal Board in India. Okay. So, um, yeah, that uh, that's how we spent the time in Nadwa. So, so it, it, interestingly, you're not the first guest that we've had on the show who is a um, um, 
a alumni, if you will, or a graduate from Nadwa. Uh, we had Dr. Ibrahim Musa on yeah. the show in the past, um, and he, so he spoke a little bit about this. But I was from your perspective, and I would love for you to your insight. Um, as far as I understand, you know, the Muslim intellectual history or Muslim intellectual tradition in India um, has various streams, if you will. You know, you have Nadwatul Alama, you have. Uh, you can maybe even put in Aligarh there. You can put uh, then the Darul Uloom, Deoband, um, and so I was wondering, and, and then where Ferengi Mahal ties into that, I don't know. I wonder if these are all tributary, you know, tributaries that come from Ferengi Mahal. But re regardless, you have various strains. You also mentioned Jamaat Islami, Hind. So I, if you could maybe comment on kind of placing for our listeners these various streams and what maybe some of the subtle nuances I don't want to call them differences because that's almost it becomes like a negative but the differences if you will or the subtle you know um, nuances between these two these various streams that were prominent in India at the time yeah. the, the unique characteristics if you will there you go yeah, yeah. <laughs> salient <laughs> features Dar we can keep uh, in uh, uh, is um, was established for uh, the classical Hanafi uh, fiqh okay. and uh, very good they used to emphasize that uh, and hadith uh, there was also closed by a school called Madahir al-Uloom in Saharanpur uh, and then um, Aligarh University of course was uh, more for secular education so mm -hmm. Sayyid Ahmad Khan is the one who founded the Anglo-Mohammedan College right, that's Anglo what it was called. Oriental College and uh, then after that it became university. Mm. So uh, this was for English education, for secular education, science and all those things. Although they had its Islamic studies program as well. Uh, so Maulana Muhammad Ali Mungeri and Maulana Shibli Nomani and others, uh, they are the ones who thought that we should have uh, an institution that will uh, combine Islamic and Arabic studies as well as secular education mm. and it will be should be open not only to Hanafis but Hanafi, Shafi, Maliki, all schools uh, it will be it bring kind of close, closeness to all these schools mm. and, and people of Al-Hadith Al persuasion Al-Hadith yeah, so would be another that's stream. That's what Nadwa was established. Okay. So Nadwa was more open. Okay. It was not restricted to one school uh, a fiqh, but to many other schools as well. Mm -hmm. And then also there were some education of English. Of course, the founders wanted it to have English, science, and other things, but it did not have that. It, it, was, uh, it remained with Islamic studies only. Right. Uh, but it is, was open to all other uh, schools, and uh, students came from all over India. From uh, and other places as well. Right. We had a number of uh, students from South Africa right. <coughs> who were there. And uh, Nadwa is still, has now grown a lot. Uh, we used to have a few hundred students at that time when I was there, but now it has more than 8,000 students <laughs> at Nadwa. So right. It has become almost like a university. And so, the, the, like, I've always been curious about this the name Nadwi. Is that like a title or is that like a family name? No, it's title. It, it's I th a, that's what I thought. It's like uh, people from Aligarh called Alig. Hmm? Right. And uh, or Azari. Mazahir al-Uloom called mm. Mazahiri and people mm. from Madrasul Islam called Islahi. 
So this is not family name. Right, right. But there was an, uh, a, a group called Nadwa. Uh, Nadwa means gathering. Uh, In Farsi? A, 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 a council. Acha. So it's Nadwa al-Ulama, a council of scholars. Right. And the council of scholars established the Dar al-Ulum. So the name of the school is Darul Ulum Le Nadwat al Ulama. Darul Ulum of Nadwat al Ulama. Understand. That is the full name of, uh, of Nadwa. Understand. And there were great scholars there. Maulana Suleiman Nadwi was there. And then Tremendous. Other, other people. <coughs> so Maulana Abul Sali Nadwi, Maulana Masood Alam Nadwi was his uh, uh, classmate. Okay. Maulana Masood Alam. Maulana Muhammad Nazim Nadwi in, in Pakistan. So these are the people who were the, who graduated from Nadwa, and mm. Abul Hasan Nadwi was there when I went there. Mm. So I um, had uh, the fortune to to be close to him, and uh, I used to go from my home where I was staying. I mean, my grandfather's home. I used to go uh, almost uh, two or three times a week wow. on my bike <laughs> in the <laughs> evening as well. So I used to go and spend time between Maghrib, uh, between Asr and Maghrib, yeah. there. He used to have a halaqa, he used to have a majlis, where um, people would come to visit him, and also students would come from uh, upper classes. They used to come. So I used to attend that and sit down and listen to questions and answers and his... Uh, you know, stocks. Right. And then yeah. you're and spending then, time. And then, uh, yeah. you know, uh, it was nice time to have drink a cup of tea with him. That's <laughs> what I mean, right. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, I, I, I'm just picking up on this, and I'm sure our listeners are picking up on this as well. Like, first of all, the effort that the student takes to, you know, to, to sit at, you know, and learn from the teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, you've talked about this is the second time you mentioned having to go somewhere. You know, your, your other teacher told you to come to the masjid to study Arabic, and so you would do that. Um, and then here, you know, with with the uh, Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi, rahimahullah, like you would also, that the idea of traveling, sitting with them, making the effort. And then, you know, it's more than just the information or content that they're providing you, but it's also the the sohbah, yes. the, the presence and being in the companionship of these people. Like you said, having chai with them. Yes. So, and the fact that the teachers would, they would be known for making. They, would, they, they you said you mentioned your other teacher. It became very personal. Yeah, yeah right, yeah, right. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. I, I think he that's. He used to call me uh, that, uh, like son. Huh? Better. I remember that uh, uh, one time I was there in Delhi, and his Malana uh, Abdulhasan was there, uh, so he said. Um, to my father, he's like a son to me. <laughs> yeah. So and you remember that? That's that's that means it was impactful. Because yeah. you you remember him saying that. That means it meant something it, to you at that at a young age. Right. It must have been extraordinary. Um, mm-hmm. So what happens after? You know, again, uh, just for the sake of time, um, there's a lot to cover. But I I want to hit at least the highlights uh, after Natwatul uh, Alama. W- yeah, your studies, they, they continue for quite some time. So I'm wondering if you could take us through that journey a little bit. And uh, I was in the last year of Alim. Okay. And um, I heard the news that uh, um, there will be a university in Medina. So I read in the paper that Islamic University of Medina is going to be open. 
and uh, it will admit students from all over the world. So it will be an international university, and uh, the Saudi government will uh, take care of all the expenses. Right. So uh, education, uh, lodging, travels, uh, they provide tickets to go from your country to Medina. So I was excited when I heard that this news. I wanted very much to be there. So I <coughs> I mentioned to Maulana Abulusan Ladvi about that. I asked him to write me a letter of recommendation. Uh, he was very gracious. He wrote a very nice letter. I wish I had kept it. <laughs> I know. I was just about to ask you if yeah. you have a copy of that. Uh, yeah. So I received that letter and uh, I, the university was admitting students from India also. And uh, Nadwa recommended few students, okay. but my name was not there among them. So what I did, I very quietly took the letter of Malabra Sandhidi and went direct to Delhi. And in Delhi, I had an uncle. So I went to my uncle's home and asked him to take me to the embassy. Uh, so Again, effort. <laughs> See, effort. No, no, we're picking yeah. up on a thread here. Yeah. So he went, he took me to the embassy and I said I want to meet the ambassador. So it was fortunate that he, I said I'm coming from Alan Abrusundi and his letter. So he allowed me to go and meet the ambassador. And uh, as a Yusuf Fauzan was the ambassador at that time. Uh, so he received me very, very nicely, and actually he had visited Nadwa uh, just uh, about a year before, and he visited our class. And at that time when he visited the class, I was uh, reading something from the Hadith, because he used to read, he used to, used to right. read the book, right. and then after that the teacher will explain. So I was uh, very good in reading Arabic. So he heard me. And uh, he was kind of impressed that I read with correct pronunciation <laughs> and correct uh, vocalization of, of letters and all those things. So <coughs> he recognized me. Oh, I said, okay. Wow. And then he read, he read the, the letter. And uh, then he said, uh, okay, go back to Nadwa and uh, we'll let you know. Because I'm going to send a telegram to, the, to Medina, to the Islamic University. And let you know about the answer. So I came back. I did not tell anybody uh, in Nadwa that uh, I went there also. Uh, so one day I was uh, in the class in Nadwa and somebody came and said, the principals want you to come to the office. I was kind of worried. Why? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> so I went there and I saw a smile on his face. I said, wow, you have uh, been accepted in Medina Islam University. Congratulations. And uh, so, but he said that uh, they are saying that uh, you have to be there next week. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I was getting ready for the exam, final exam of uh, seventh class, Alim class. So I said, what, what about my exam? So... Malana uh, Irfan was the principal at the time, Allah bless him. Uh, he said that, well, uh, you can go. And then when you come in summer, 
hmm. take the exam. So we'll give you a special exam for that. It was such a relief for me. Right. Uh, because I was thinking if I don't go next week, probably I will not be a collector. So I was afraid to lose that. Uh, so he said, all right. And then uh, spoke also to Malana Bharasan. And he agreed to, sir, all right, go to his Medina. <laughs> because I mean, we don't want you to miss Medina. <laughs> so I went to my grandfather's home and I told him. And he was excited, he was very happy. So then after that, I went to Rampur. Of course, those days, not easy, not easy to go to communicate on telephone, no cell phone, mm -hmm. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so just uh, took the ticket and went there, arrived. My mother was surprised. How come you're there? So I told her that this is what happened. Father was at the masjid praying Isha. Mm -hmm. When he came, we told him and he was very happy. So Alhamdulillah. Then this, I told him, I have only two days. <laughs> I have to return to go to Delhi. So, uh, he woke up my uncle and uh, he said, we have to prepare some clothes for you. <laughs> uh, they woke up uh, the fabric merchant. <laughs> he opened the shop during the night, <laughs> purchased some <laughs> fabric. Some and, garments. And then yeah, uh, we went to our family, Darzi. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was excited. He said, oh, mashallah, Mia, you are going to Medina. So... I'm going to work all night wow. to prepare clothes. Beautiful. So, yeah. In uh, so in two days, yeah, we were ready. You had an outfit, ma outfits, outfits made and everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mashallah. And uh, so you left in two Malana, days. Malana, Malana Muhammad Ali, Malana Abdul Hai. Your father-in-law. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was engaged to his daughter. Okay. Khalida, and. Uh, our engagement continued for almost 30 years. <laughs> How old were you at this time? At the time of the acceptance into the University of Medina? Well, no, before that, when I was in Nadwa. Hmm. So no, no, How old were you? He was asking, sorry. How old were age? you when you... Yeah, when I was engaged, was about, I think 19 years. He said he was engaged for 8 years because then he went overseas. Mm. Right? And my uh, Khalda was only about 13. <laughs> so she did not know anything about all this thing. Mm, so this right. is like arranged things. Everything. That's right. So, uh, yeah. Alhamdulillah. Your, your fathers were, were friends. But we knew the family. Yeah, Families right. knew each other that because we were living not too far. Right. Only about 10 minutes walk. Yeah. Or 15 minutes walk from. Yeah. You mentioned that your fathers were good friends. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Was the journey to Medina by air or by sea? I know we, we've recently had some <coughs> conversations about how Hajj. about Hajj people would of course take Boats? No, we oh. went by air. Oh, you went by air. But there was no direct flight from Delhi to Medina. So, actually, there was no direct flight from Delhi to Jeddah also. So, we went at that uh, from Delhi to Bombay. We of spent course. one night in Bombay, and then after that, uh, from Bombay, we went to Dharan. Uh, this is myself and a few other students from, from Nadua. We were all together. So it's, a, it's a group of five students. So you're sitting across two people who both have <laughs> Dharan connections. Uh, my family, my father worked for Aramco, and his father taught at UPM. King, uh, King Fahad <laughs> University. <laughs> no, yeah. of course he knows UPM. So yeah. We spent a few days in Dharan. Yeah. 
uh, until our flight was there because there were only one or two flights <laughs> from Dharan to Medina. So we had to wait for that. Yeah. And uh, so we stayed in the hotel that was paid by the airline. And uh, then we went to Medina after that. Hmm. And this was, uh, <coughs> there was somebody from the university at the airport to receive us. And then uh, we were uh, given the accommodation to, to a, in a hotel in Medina. That was uh, the only hotel, uh, one or two hotels at that time in Medina. So we spent a few days in Medina. So the hospitality of the university was for three days. And then, and then after that, you had to find <laughs> your own place. <coughs> then in three, after three yeah. days, they, I mean, we went next day to university okay. and got the admission. There was also a placement test. Okay. And... Uh, there were uh, some students went to the Sanavi to the secondary school, and some went to Aliyah, the okay. higher. Okay. So I was admitted to higher, and that was a four-year program. Understand. And <coughs> the university had a hostel, and this was the army barracks, <laughs> <laughs> and there was uh, so they gave us a room there. Few students from Nadwa were together. Mm. and give us our furniture. So we have to go to the storage, collect our bed and beddings and all those things. And then brought them to our room. Mm. And uh, of course we used to um, cook our own food right. and clean our rooms and wash our clothes. All of these things were there. And then the classes were uh, simple. Okay. Uh, desks and uh, no, uh, benches rather, benches and thing, and uh, there was no air conditioning. Uh, actually, electricity was not there. Only at few hours at night, we used to get electricity. <coughs> and uh, was this all of Medina was like this, or just just the university? Because this was, it was 62, brand new. Sixty-two, the first badge. Yeah, so it's it's brand new. The whole university concept is brand new there. Not concept, but the, yeah. the, the launch of the university. So they yeah. were they were probably <laughs> figuring things out as well, right? No, that's why I ask. I mean, was it just a school or all of Medina was like this with limited electricity, etc.? So this was the facilities. Yeah. Um, 1962, you were the first batch at Medina. <coughs> yes, I was, I was in Medina, and this Who was a small yeah. uh, university at okay. the time. It was just the beginning, I mean, the first year of university. Right. And the total number of students were about 250. Okay. Uh, so we moved to university, and uh, uh, they used to give us a monthly uh, you know, allowance. Okay. Uh, for Alia students was 300 riyals, which is good amount of money at that time. Yeah. <laughs> so it was <coughs> it was for our food. Okay. And other expenses. Mm. <coughs> and for Sanavia it was 250 riyals. Okay. So so uh, so they gave us uh, first allowance and. Uh, we had no money at the time. So yeah, young students. <laughs> and, and, and actually, you hadn't—you probably had not traveled outside of India. This is the first time, so you're meeting students from all around the world, correct? Yes, that's right. So it was the uh, first time going out of India, first time flying. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Taking a plane. So, 
Yeah, and Medina was quite underdeveloped at the time, or not under. It was yeah. it was not like it Medina was today. Obviously, at that obviously. time, the total population of Medina was about fifty thousand people. Wow. Okay. And uh, at the uh, at the Haram, uh, not too many people, uh, except at Hajj time. Mm. Okay. So we uh, had our classes from morning till Zohar time. Then we have lunch and take some rest. And then after Asr, the buses used to go from the university. University was about four miles from the Haram. Then we go to Haram, Masjid al Nabi, and we arrive there and uh, then uh, go to Haram. And that's where we spend the time from Maghrib, from Asr to, to Isha. Wow. Uh, and sometimes we used to have a Durus or something? Yes, some lunch, I mean dinner mm. after Maghrib in one of the restaurants, Indian restaurants, like to go there. And it was very, 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 very um, prices are very reasonable. Yeah. I mean, like one or two real, you can get a good meal. W- w- <laughs> were there like uh, durus that were that you were attending at the at the at the haram as well, at, or at that time no, it was no no. We used to do uh, I mean just your homework, I guess, or your studies uh, d- during the ordinary days. There was not much crowd, okay. uh, so I would go to inside the Rosa to the Mindyad al Jannah, and sit next to the grave of the Prophet and read the Quran and do my homework there. Beautiful. <laughs> or sometime at Sufa. The place yeah, with the behind, yeah, at yeah, a sofa. The students of uh, Taba, they used to sit, sit there. Right. So I, I sit there. This, uh, this was I generally I used to do. Of course. And then sometimes you sit in the courtyard of Haram and with all other students yeah. and talk and sit down and, and, and meet other people. Baki was on the other side. You could just walk over to the Baki. Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, and of course, uh, in Medina, there were people from all over the world. Right. So. Meet them, learn about the uh, lahajat of the Arabic, different dialects of other people from <laughs> different countries. Because you're encountering, like Omar mentioned, you're encountering people for the first time, not only outside of India, but even, you know, obviously yeah. within the Arab world, you're encountering, like you said, different still probably, Still probably mostly Arab world and South Asia, right? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Be, not now, yeah. of course, you have people from the West and... Far yeah. East and and so forth in Europe even, but back then it was. Did were there any any and did you ever come across anybody from some of those places, uh, or was it all North Africa, Middle East, and South yeah, Asia? Yeah, I don't think I met anybody from America or Europe. I think right. so mostly people from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, yeah. uh, you know, Sri Lanka, mm. and then also from Arab countries. I remember one time I was after Maghrib, I was praying. In the one of the in the courtyards of the haram, and uh, somebody passed by, and something he whispered in my ear. I, even though I was praying, but he was whispering to my ear. Hmm. So, and then after that, I saw that uh, when I finished my prayer, I saw this person uh, had spread his own musalla and was praying. So I thought that he needed something, he needed some help. So I took some reals from my pocket and put that under his husalla. Um, so I thought that he was a traveler and he needed some help. So I gave him and uh, he came 
and he told me i don't need money i have a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> i don't need money i just said to him to you to pray for me <laughs> so so nice uh, then you became a good friend <laughs> okay i was going to say that the fact yeah. that you remembered this instance incident but of course then you became friends like you said um so at that time were there any like notable uh, like i guess teachers that you would want to mention who were at medina at this time the the actual teachers the teachers were uh, some of the very prominent people from okay. the muslim world uh, of course sheikh bin baz rahmallah he was uh, the vice chancellor I thought so, okay. Muhammad ibn Ibrahim, the Mufti of uh, Saudi Arabia, was the Chancellor. And uh, his assistant was Sheikh bin Baz. Sheikh mm-hmm. bin Baz was the Vice Chancellor, but at the same time he was also a teacher. Okay, so you took classes he with He used to teach us Aqeedah. Yeah. And uh, we had um, Sheikh uh, Amin Shanqiti, uh, a great scholar of Tafsir. That's right. His famous Tafsir, Adwa'ul Bayan. He was our tafsir teacher, and we had Nasruddin Albani, the hadith scholar, famous. Of world. course, of course. And uh, so he used to teach us hadith. Amazing. Uh, especially Subhanallah Salam, I studied with him. We had uh, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad for hadith. It was uh, I mean for fiqh. So we studied humbly fiqh. And also Usul al-Fiqh, humbly Usul al-Fiqh. Mm-hmm. And then also a scholar for Arabic literature, mm-hmm. Adab al-Arabi. And uh, that was uh, Sheikh Abdul Qadir Shabit al-Hamd. May Allah bless him. So, and later came uh, from Pakistan, Malala Nazim Nadwi. And Mawlana Nazim Nadwi is one of the classmates of Mawlana Abu Rasali Nadwi. But he was uh, teaching in Pakistan and then he was uh, he ke- was brought to... To teach at Medina. To come to Medina mm-hmm. and teach there. So he was teaching akhlaq, uh, Islamic uh, ethics. Mm. And Mawlana uh, Nazim, when he came... Um, I, he came by himself without his family. So uh, I went to meet him and uh, then also uh, I moved with him and uh, my brother also there. Because he was uh, by himself, he needed some help for that. So we used to be there and help him. So I, I And th- he then, then after <coughs> that, he became the uh, father-in-law of my younger brother. <laughs> Who who was this? Sorry, Became my younger brother Mudassir Siddiqui. Of course, who's a lawyer. He, he's a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've met him he once. Married Nadim's daughter. Oh, mashallah. Okay, I did not know that connection. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of connections that established. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Malana Nadim's uh, uh, daughter was married to Dr. Zafar Ishaq Ansari. And you, Dr. Zafar that, that name should mean something to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go do a okay. do a check so, later uh, with my parents. Doctor um, Ansari's daughter mm-hmm. uh, is best friends with your sister, who lives oh, in Houston. from the who taught in who's from uh, Malaysia. Yeah, brother. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, He's yeah, published yeah. several brother, books. Brother of Zafar Ishaq. 
Yes, yes, yes. So Dr. Zafar Ishaq was married to Maulana Nazim's daughter. Other daughter, uh, and your and, and his other daughter was married to your brother, yeah. or is married to your brother. Yeah. Okay, Mashallah. okay, yes, and, uh, yes. So, so Zafar Ishaq Ansari, yeah. yeah. His daughter is best friends with my sister. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. From, yeah. from yeah. the Hrandes, I remember yeah, I mentioned. Yeah. 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 Was he at UPM? They were there. They yeah. were there. They were okay, there in okay. UPM somehow. So And, and their father, uh, Maulana Zafar Ahmad Ansari, uh, who came to Medina and met him, and then after that, uh, I spent some time with him in Geneva <laughs> at the Islamic Center. Of Geneva. So we have a lot to cover, and and I don't know how we're g- yeah. So I, I want to also start being again. I want to be mindful of the time and and reach some sort of <laughs> ending point. <laughs> um, I, I I have a question that I've been burning to ask about Medina. At that time when Medina was started, and of course you had you had the and blessings of all of your teachers in India was the you know was there like an I like how am I trying I, I want to say this gently but I guess the idea the ideology or the sort of um, the aqidah that you would be taught or even the fiqh was there a very you know sort of you know prominent if you will Salafi or Wahhabi sort of um, ideological bent or was it pretty much straight Hanbali and say Athari or something Aqida, was it like that at that time? At that time it was uh, university was like international university. Okay. It, it did not have only Hanbalis. It has Hanafi, it has Shafi and Maliki. Right. And uh, there was uh, I mean Salafi and Wahhabi uh, thinking was there. Okay. But it was not pushed to students. Okay. And That's what I was asking. We did not feel any pressure. That's nice. That you become Salafi. Okay. Hmm? Okay. I mean, Salafi students were given preference. They were given some, you know. Interesting. Uh, they were given better treatment. <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> but uh, we did not feel discrimination. Okay. okay. We did not feel pressure upon us. Mm-hmm. Nobody said to me ever right. uh, that become a Salafi. Yeah. So that that well that's that's uh, yeah. that's so, great. So then after Medina, um, where do we go? Um, where, where, where do you, where does your uh, continuing education take take you? Yeah, four years of yeah. Medina passed very fast. It was a beautiful time. Would you on the holidays? You would be able to go. Back? I used to go okay. to home. Okay. Sometime to India and also uh, one year I myself and my brother Muddassir. Uh, we visited Middle Eastern countries. We went to Jordan, spent some time there, and then after that to Lebanon and uh, Syria. And uh, then after that, uh, we went by ship to Alexandria <laughs> and spent some time in Egypt. Egypt, okay. So we traveled in these uh, countries. You and your brother? Me and my brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any, any met, met, met some of the prominent scholars there. Yeah, yeah. I'd be curious, just kind of what you're at a very high level, given <laughs> the time, what your observations about those countries were, because I believe um, there was probably a lot of opportunity to spend time with Chuyuk and traditional and uh, traditional scholars and so forth. And at the same time, I think those countries were becoming more and more secular, right? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. mistaken, is that right? Yeah, but there was some stability there. It was. Uh, in Jordan, it was 1964, so I was able to go to Jerusalem and to all this West Coast um, area. Uh, so we spent time in Jericho, in Jerusalem, 
in uh, Naples, Tulkaram, mm. all these uh, cities. Of, uh, and in Jerusalem we spent some time, alhamdulillah. Mm. And of course in Amman. So we traveled all over in Jordan. It was easy. Okay, Le- less politicized yeah, at the end, so I'm sure. And then after that, and then we took, we went by car to all these places. Okay. From Jordan, we went, to, we came from Medina to Jordan, we came by plane. And then we went after that to Damascus and spent some time in Damascus. And in Syria, we traveled also a lot. Uh, Hama and Halab and all the other places. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, met some scholars, uh, Sheikh Abu Ghudda was a Hadith scholar, I met him and other people. So, um, and then Muhammad al-Mubarak, Mustafa Sibai, Allah, these are the people. Who, uh, then we went to Lebanon and spent some time in Beirut and traveled to the hills of Lebanon. Uh, and then uh, we went to Egypt. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, so in terms of your studies, though, uh, a- after Medina, yeah, w- you go to um, Birmingham, or am I missing something? After Medina, I went to Geneva. Geneva. Oh, that, yeah, that's right. And that's, a, that's another big step because you're <laughs> moving further and further away from India, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, in Medina, I when I was in the last year of my study, I met at one of the conferences that was organized by Muslim World League. Rabita, um, Rabita actually was established in 1964, and I was there when it was established. And uh, Malana Madudi, Malana Barsani Nadwi, Sheikh Mahmoud Sawaf, and other people, some people they came, and uh, so we met them. You and I helped as a student of university. I helped in the conference. So Malana Barsani Nadwi, for example, he dictated to me some of his lectures. I just took notes and uh, and uh, prepared for him. <laughs> I'm uh, just just jealous in the <laughs> nicest way. <laughs> and, and then the I met uh, I met Saeed Ramadan there. I was gonna just about to ask you about. And Saeed Ramadan was a, one of the organizers of the conference there. So was he in I, Switzerland at the time? He was living in Switzerland. He was living in Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. This is Tariq Ramadan's father. For he Sorry. was the head of uh, the Islamic Center of Geneva. And uh, uh, Hassan al-Banna's uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, son-in-law. son-in-law. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So I, uh, I also helped him do some, some secretarial work for him, some taking some notes and writing things and those things. So, uh, and I loved uh, his Al-Muslimun, the paper that he used, the magazine that he used to publish. Publish. I used to subscribe to it and then um, actually promoted Al-Muslimun among the students in mm. Medina. Mm. Um, so he c- received me very nicely and then he said, uh, when are you going to finish your studies in Medina? So I said, this. Uh, Few more months, I'm going to finish. Yeah. She said, "Would you like to come to Geneva to help us at the Islamic Center?" Oh, so this would be nice to do that, <laughs> because the university was asking me to go after finishing my studies to Africa to teach at one of some of their schools, mm-hmm. Islamic okay. schools. Which part of Africa were they asking you to go to? Mm, Rhodesia. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, w- wait, I don't know where that. I, yeah, I don't know Rhodesia where that is. is. Yeah, so where is that? 
I but they used to send to different cities, uh, okay. countries. Uh, okay. Like Ghana, Uganda. They, uh, I think it's West Africa. Different yeah. places they mm. to send. So they were asking me also to go there, but I did not say anything. Uh, but when I uh, got this uh, invitation from Sayyid Ramadan, although it was nothing formal, he simply just said that. So I was not sure whether he will really accept it or not. Mm-hmm. So when I was uh, finishing, almost towards the end of my uh, studies at uh, Medina, I sent him a letter that uh, I'll be ready next next month. Uh, and uh, you said to me that you want somebody to help at the Islamic Center. So if you like, please let me know. <laughs> so he's, he said, yes, you are very welcome. And I will send you the ticket. So I received the ticket to fly from Jeddah to Geneva mm-hmm. uh, via Beirut. Of course, I spent a day or two in Beirut and then after that. I went to to Geneva. Yeah. So when I arrived in Geneva, um, there was nobody at the airport, <laughs> and I had no no French and I think the first time coming to Europe. So I the only thing I knew from the address of the uh, of Al Muslimun Carnavan. Carnavan is the is the railway station. That's all you knew. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Karnama maybe this the, the the place where the center is. So I, when I didn't see anybody, I took a taxi, and t- told the taxi Karnama, or maybe just showed him because I could not even say Karnama, Karnamin or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, so he took me and he dropped me at the at the railway station. So what to do? Then I went to a telephone booth. I had no coins, and I didn't even know how to use the coin phone. So uh, I asked somebody passing by, he said that I have to use the phone. So the man was very kind, he put the coin for me, and uh, put the number. So telephone rang at the Islamic Center, people said, we are waiting for you, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Give me an address. <laughs> yeah. So then they came. It was not too far from from the Islamic Center to Karnama Station. So only 10-20 minutes walk. So they came, and then uh, they took me to the center. Hmm. When I arrived at the Islamic Center, I met Maulana Zafar Ahmed Ansari. His brother. Yeah. His father. Yeah. Father, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, he was very gracious, very nice. Actually, uh, they were starting a, a class in French. So he told me that we are going to start a class, you want to join? So after arrival, few hours after that, I was in the class to study French. <laughs> uh, were you able to study? Continue, yeah, yeah, continue with that, alhamdulillah. My, m- myself and Maulana Zafar Ahmed Nasari were classmates. <laughs> and I, I guess I don't have the the, the context here. Are, are there are there a lot of Muslims in in Switzerland at the time, or was there no, just some research too many, going but on? No, Islamic center was like a residential center. It was not like our center here, masjid and library. Yeah. You know, there was students used to come and live there. Okay. And they had rooms where uh, students would stay. And not too many, but uh, like uh, eight, ten people right. can stay. 
and uh, they we had uh, students from turkey from <coughs> england from europe mm-hmm. from japan mm. uh, so we used to be together and taking lessons uh, from various other scholars we used to visit maulana hamidullah from paris used to come visit us mohammed hamidullah hamidullah yes, used to come and uh, there was the imam there at the center was shaykh buzuzu rahmallah Uh, he was from Algeria, so he was an other Maulana, Zafar Ahmed Ansari, and Sheikh Saeed Ramadan himself. So it was, it was a, mm. a good meeting place. D- did you meet Tariq Ramadan at this time? At this time? Uh, Tariq was very young. I must have been. Yeah, right. he was probably four or five years old. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But uh, Dr. Saeed Ramadan asked me to go to, to teach his children. Okay. He had, uh, uh, I think, four or five boys and one girl, and they were all very young. Yeah. So, uh, eldest uh, was uh, t- uh, Ayman, that's why he was called Abu Ayman. Ayman, Bilal, uh, Tariq, Hani, and Yasir, yeah, these are the students, his boy. Mm. And then his, his girl was Arwa. So you have an amazing memory, mashallah. So, they mm. all used to come. Yeah. And uh, I did not know French to speak to them, so I used to speak in Arabic, and they knew very little Arabic. The children, yeah. But they, yeah. they spoke yeah. at home their Arabic, so I used to tell them, read, help them to read Quran, and also <coughs> tell them the stories from the Quran. Mm. Uh, so I remember Tariq used to come and stand next to my uh, feet, <laughs> lap, right. and he was only just that young, about probably four or five years old. Yeah, but his elder brothers, Ayman and Bilal, they were the ones. So many interesting stories. I'm sure we could spend hours and hours uh, just diving into all the details and experiences. But we'd love to, in the interest of time, fast forward a bit to your experience coming to America. Uh, there's so much to talk about, obviously, af- after you came here. Um, but just wanted to talk about what what was the initial spark for you to consider making that big change from from Europe uh, to, of course, to, to the U- United States. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <coughs> yes, I was in Geneva, and then from Geneva I went to England to do uh, my studies I, at Birmingham University. I got admission at Birmingham University, and uh, there I finished uh, MA. So I got a degree of MA, and after that I wanted to f- uh, do a PhD. I was thinking of several universities in England. Uh, there was a possibility to go to Cambridge uh, University. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, one of my professors at Birmingham University recommended uh, to go to Harvard. Uh, he was uh, here at Harvard. and. Uh, So uh, he also wrote a nice letter of recommendation for me. And he mentioned that there is a center there for Center for the Study of Religions at the Harvard Divinity School. Mm. And um, it has an international group of students and it's a very nice place. So I got uh, interested in that. I said, fine. I, uh, he So he wrote a letter f- of recommendation for me, a good letter. And uh, so after a few months, I got uh, approval from the 
Center for the Study of Religions at Harvard. And Dr. Cantrell Smith oh. was the uh, director wow. of that center. Okay. So he sent a very nice letter of uh, welcome and said, we'll give you the admission, we'll also give you accommodation at the Center for the Study of Religion and uh, uh, provide some scholarship. So it was very helpful. I was very happy with that and uh, when I got that uh, letter, um, so I decided to go to India to see my parent and uh, uh, my parent decided that I should not go to America without getting married. <laughs> <laughs> so then I got married okay. in uh, 68, December 68. Uh, and then we returned to, to Birmingham and uh, my wife joined me after a few months. And uh, we came together uh, to uh, Harvard, Cambridge, Massachusetts. And uh, I was um, received at the center. We were given an apartment, and a furnished apartment. It was nice to be uh, in that kind of environment with other students from various other religions. So there were some uh, uh, Muslims there. Dr. Abdullah Ghazi, who was there already before me, and he's the one who came to the airport to receive me. Wow. And he, his family was living there, and mm. then myself and a few other people. And was uh, Mahmoud Ayyub from Lebanon was there. Of course. He, and, uh, I think he just passed away, right? Passed away. Yeah. Allah bless him. Allah bless him. Yeah. So, and uh, there were uh, Hindu students, uh, there were Buddhists, uh, Jewish and of course Christian, so it's uh, yeah. an academic environment with right. multi-faith. We used to have uh, our uh, regular meetings every week for dialogue, discussion on various topics, and living in the center together. And I uh, was admitted first as a special student at the Divinity School. I take any courses I would like. So and. Uh, so I took courses in, in comparative religion, okay. world religions courses there, and uh, alhamdulillah, there was a lot of coursework, which was an uh, intensive program. <coughs> uh, and then also I wanted to know about the Muslim community in that area. So there was Harvard Islamic Society, mm. a small Islamic society, but uh, it was there, so I joined that. Uh, Dr. Habibul Haq Nadwi was the president of the Islamic Society. Uh, uh, he, he went after that to South Africa and uh, became a professor at Durban University. Okay. So, <coughs> so he was, uh, he welcomed me. Uh, then after that, when he was leaving, he was trying to be finishing his PhD there. So, he said, I want to hand over the Islamic Society to you. So I became the president of the Islamic Society of Harvard, okay. Harvard Islamic Society. Right. And uh, for, uh, remained as president for several years. Uh, locally, there was the Islamic Center of New England in okay. Quincy, Massachusetts. So the people of Quincy came and uh, they welcomed me and uh, they invited me to come and visit the Islamic Center there, about 20 miles from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, I had no car, I, I did not even know how to drive, <laughs> but somebody used to come and, and take me. So uh, it was very nice, the brother 
Nuri, he used to take us, me and my wife, every Sunday. Right. Uh, the, the gathering there was only on Sunday. They did not have Friday prayer. Uh, so actually w- one person said when I recover, said to them that you should have Friday prayer, somebody said, well, Friday means gathering, Juma, Juma means gathering. So we, whenever we have gathering, that's <laughs> <yes>, Friday. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> interesting kind right. of thing was, to hear that. Was, um, I guess obviously the community at that time, very small. I mean, mm-hmm. even in the 80s, we were doing uh, masjid activities in ha- homes, basements, <laughs> and, and so forth. Is that what it was like back back then as well? Back yeah, then. very few people used to come, but yeah. a lot of people used to come on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I started a tafsir program mm. and lectures on different topics, and so that was my weekly. Mm. So I go from Harvard to Quincy. So, so the community uh, in Quincy, w- they were working professionals. They, they were not working, students. Uh, mostly uh, Lebanese okay. uh, and Syrian and some Pakistanis right. some and Indians. And not students. Yeah. The students were mostly at Harvard Islamic uh, Center. Yes, uh, um, so I, uh, we used to have Friday prayer at, there. at Harvard. Yeah. And uh, there were a lot of people. So most of the activities actually used to take place at Harvard. Okay. The weekend school was at Harvard. Um, Muslim Muslim uh, children's weekend school because students because had children yes, we were beginning we to have we young had children Muslim students yeah. uh, they organized that and again and, I imagine and, and, and we a number of other community activities also okay. we used to hold them at some of the halls at at Harvard and it, w- it would cater almost exclusively to the students the student body who were Muslim correct, correct. so you had probably other obviously you were in the comparative studies the you were in the divinity school hmm. but probably lawyer law students and some people, from, some people from the community used to come for Juma prayer as okay, well. Okay. And uh, they used to bring their children from mm. weekend school. Okay. Uh, at Quincy, there was no such thing happening. Okay. The only thing is that gathering on Sundays. Got it. So Anybody in the academy at the time who was Muslim on the faculty? Like, I mean, again, I guess in religious studies or Islamic we studies? We had visiting professors. Okay. Yes. Uh, people, anyone worth mentioning that you visited or that Dr. visited Kamal, your... Dr. Kamali was... Uh, Hisham Kamali? Not Hisham oh. Kamali. Okay. Another pro- okay. was from India. Uh, he was a visiting professor, and other people used okay. to come. And Doctor, you mentioned Abdullah Ghazi. That's another name that I've I've had the fortune of meeting. Doctor Abdullah Ghazi was a student. I mean, he was like you, he a was student. student like me. He, he was, was from the PhD. Islamic uh, International Islamic University in Islamabad, right? No, he was from India. Indi- from Aligarh. Oh, Aligarh. Oh, okay, okay. He was from Aligarh, and then after that, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, he was uh, in England for some time, okay. right. and then he came to 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 Harvard. Right. My my father is only uh, I think he's a couple year months older than you. It sounds like, and also he moved. Uh, he brought him and my mother came. Yeah. Um, he was here earlier for studies, but they came in '67. So that I'm I'm kind of thinking yeah. of your experience yeah. in parallel to my father's, and and of course he started having children. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my my older sister, she was born in '69. So I, pr- I presume it sounds you know you're married, but is your family growing? Is yeah. is the Boston area becoming quote unquote home at this point? Yeah, I mean the, we lived in in Cambridge. Right. We, did, we did not live in Boston. Mm. Right. Cambridge, but uh, going to Quincy and yes. meeting with the people in Boston, so it's all this. Yeah, mm. it's like uh, yeah, half hour. Uh, about minutes. twenty or yeah. so f- Muslim mm. families. Mm-hmm were in that area and we became all we used to meet hmm. quite often yeah at uh, at harvard or at quincy and uh, so it was not just academic work right. that was doing 
I was also involved in the community. Right. Mm-hmm. The Especially time. after becoming president. So I became yeah. uh, mem- yeah. uh, with the Harvard Islamic Society, right. Islamic Center of Quincy. And then I f- found with that there was a MSA. Uh, so MSA became known and uh, I became part of that. Dr. Ahmed Saqr came. MashaAllah. Yeah. Allah, Allah, and yeah. he spoke at Quincy Islamic Center and then after that um, I joined MSA. So tell us about that because I know MSA begins in the late 60s um, at the University of Illinois, is that correct? Yes, it was in Gary, Indiana. Yeah, Gary, it, okay. The oh. head, headquarters was Gary, Indiana okay, at okay. that time. W- which is nearby, but, okay. uh, Chicago. They were um, in Chicago in some of the, uh, those areas okay. uh, that uh, annual meetings used to take place. Understood. Uh, the meetings were about 100 people, 200 people, mm-hmm. like that, a small group of people. And that early pioneer group, I, I, I know it consists of like Dr. Barzinji, yes. <coughs> Dr. Ahmed Sucker. Tatunji. Tatunji, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So these, mashallah, again, standing on the shoulders of giants. So, as a community, we yeah, are. yeah. And, and it I, was very nice to yeah. meet that people. So I associated with MSA. Wonderful. And, and MSA had a, <coughs> a religious affairs committee. Okay. Uh, so they asked me to join the religious affairs committee. Right. Um, so. And, uh, and this committee was uh, basically involved about deciding about Ramadan and Eid, uh, you know, moon yeah. sighting because it was uh, the important issue <laughs> at that time. <laughs> and answering questions of students about uh, family life and halal and haram, halal meat, all this kind of okay. thing. So, um, so I became a, a member of that uh, committee. <coughs> and then after uh, one year or two, I uh, became the chairperson of that committee. Okay. And that so this uh, way I was involved with okay. ISNA as well, I mean with the MSA, MSA at right. the time. And so for our listeners who may not know, the MSA becomes, is the precursor to ISNA. Because yeah. you can imagine yeah. a group yeah. of immigrant, you know, predominantly yeah. immigrants, but also indigenous peoples who were here, um, they were students mostly. And MSA, they, they, MSA right. started right. as a student body. That's right. After 20 years, um, <laughs> and there was uh, MSA and there was... Uh, uh, Muslim Medic- Islamic Medical Association, Association of Muslim Social Scientists, Association of Muslim Scientists and Engineers. So they were this association, all of them came together and they said ah. that we are no more students. Some of us are professors, some of us are working in various companies. So uh, we should not call ourselves as MSA, but we should uh, have a uh, community. So uh, they call themselves ISNA, Islamic Society of North America. We, the yes. Islamic we Society of North, North America came into being in 1982, almost 20 years after 82. that. 82. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. My no, th- we just heard the founding, the, the origin story yeah. of ISNA, by yeah, the way, abs- listeners. So, yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> exactly. so, so well, I, I want to focus on that, yeah, I mean, if that's where you're headed. Absolutely. So now yeah. after ISNA, yeah. Uh, MSA and all other bodies, yeah. they became affiliates of ISNA. Correct. And mm-hmm. ISNA became like an umbrella body, yeah. uh, organization, mm-hmm. and it has its conventions and all those things. Of course. We definitely <laughs> want to come back to ISNA, um, and you, we, 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 so we don't want to I, leave out I'm, MINA. I'm, I'm involved at uh, academic level right. at Harvard, yeah, doing my studies, doing the coursework, and all of these things. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, I yeah. uh, spent almost uh, uh, Five, five years also at, at Harvard 
and uh, doing all this coursework and getting ready for PhD. Right. Uh, so uh, then I decided the thesis topic, and because I was involved in this interfaith thing kind of thing, uh, involved with the study of religions, uh -huh. so that's why I chose a topic for the study of uh, Islamic way of looking at other religions. Uh, especially the work of uh, Ibn Taymiyyah, mm -hmm. so that's I chose that topic and uh, work on it for several years. Um, what uh, what led you to focus on uh, Ibn Taymiyyah specifically? Um, I'm curious. I'm one of the admirers of his work. Okay. He's the great, is the giant of, of, of uh, Islamic history, right. the philosopher, a theologian, jurist, and mufassir. Uh, prolific writer. He has more than 300 works. That's right. Uh, some of them are multi-volume works. And he is among these people. He is the one who has written extensively on Christianity. Okay. I, mean, I don't think anybody has written uh, so extensively on Christianity as Ibn Taymiyyah wrote. So I found that one of his books uh, called Al-Jawab Sahih, The Sound Reply, uh, it is uh, almost 1,600 pages in four volumes that he wrote that. And wow. uh, this was written almost towards the end of his life. Uh, he died in 1328. So, before the, so uh, the book refers to many of his writings. And uh, it is not only uh, his, uh, whatever he read in the Islamic literature, but he also studied the Bible, several versions of the Bible. I found out from his work, and he also was very well aware of Christian history. Mm. So he read Ibn Batriq's history, and uh, he um, knew various uh, sects and groups among among Christians. And uh, his answer is, uh, I mean, there is an answer that was also written. This is answer to a letter, a letter that came from Paul of Antioch. Oh. from uh, Sidon, yes. Lebanon. Okay. Uh, the Paul of Antioch wrote a letter to his Muslim friends uh, uh, saying that uh, Prophet Muhammad was a prophet for Arabs only. He was not a prophet for Christians. So Christians don't have to follow him. And then also he mentioned that uh, Quran praises Jesus and Mary and um, the Christian people so that means uh, Christians, uh, they are in the right path, in the right way. There is nothing wrong with that. And then for that, it explains in his uh, theology, okay. theology of Christianity. Right. So Ibn Taymiyyah, um, I mean, this letter was written about 100 years before Ibn Taymiyyah. Oh. But uh, it was circulating in the Middle East. A I lot see. of people uh, were receiving this, kind, this letter and was in the community. Yeah. Was it also a, um, were they, was he attempting to proselytize, like convert? Probably. Okay, That probably. might have been the purpose, but uh, it was a, uh, the, 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 the environment was tense because of the invasion of the Mongols. Mongols, yeah. And uh, all of these things. So, mm. so in that kind of tense atmosphere, this letter came and it was uh, Shahabuddin Qarafi, uh, also received yeah. this letter, and he wrote a very strong, vehement answer. Really? It's called Al-Juwiba al, 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 al Fajira. 
Up the highway, we have、uh, one of our experts of Qarafi,、uh, Dr. Sherman、yeah. Jackson. <laughs> Just up the highway. So,、uh, yeah. But Ibn Taymiyyah's answer is、Jawab、very, extensive, very、okay. extensive answer. And also, not as strong as Qarafi's answer. Really? So, it is,、uh, it's very gentle in his answer. But it's very strong. Okay. It's very strong. So, your PhD was a, like, a, tra- a translation and an annotation analysis? An- an analytical study、right. of this work. Of this work. So, I did not translate the whole thing, but、right. I summarized it. Has it been published? Not yet. <laughs> Is that a plan? <laughs> I got hope. busy with many other things. Of course、so、you did, but、uh, I hope that someone yeah, can yeah, pursue yeah, that. Somebody will edit it. I mean, the things have to be added and things like that.、So、been just,、uh, a request then from, from me, from the show. Um, please,、uh, anything we can do, anything anyone,、yeah. you know,、uh, because I think that's a very important piece. You would agree. I mean, especially in this environment、yeah. where、uh, I think Muslims are living in America, especially、yeah. in a Christian majority, Muslim minority situation. I was situation. a Catholic scholar okay. Of, uh, who uh, also did PhD in Chicago under、uh, Professor Fadl Rahman. Wow. On the same book, on the same thing. And,、uh, and he published it. So after that, I felt that.、Uh, no, no, I'm sure <coughs> we will still benefit from your Thomas work. Michel as, uh, Thomas Mitchell. Thomas、yeah. Mitchell. Okay, Mitchell, thank you. No, so、yeah. I, I, so I was、mm-hmm. uh, uh, in that environment and,、uh, yeah. and at Harvard. And of course, I did not isolate myself just to academic. Right. Got involved with the community as well. Yeah.、Uh, and not only community in Massachusetts, in, uh, in, at Cambridge. But also on the national level. Right, with the MSA. And traveling to different places、mm-hmm. and all those things. Right. So, I mean, that's how somehow it's. Well,、getting. I definitely want to hear some of those experiences. I think you mentioned ISNA was formed in 1982. No, 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 no. No? That's what I thought I heard. ISNA, sorry, MSA. It's, okay, it's yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, I, I, I want to hear a little just about the 1970s experience because just as our preparation, Pervez was.、Um, Perez and I were talking about how there was a, a, a Hajj group in the mid 70s, and I think、um, Imam the Imam Warthin yes, community. No, no, Imam Warthin Muhammad <coughs> himself. Oh, okay. Yeah,、Next. arranged for that. And yeah, it was I mean, amazing. I mean, it, MSA was very active、okay. on, the, on various campuses all over, I, the, all over the country. Can I interject one question before we, because、uh, I do want to definitely talk about this, but just to maybe put a A pin or a, a close, if you will, not we can always revisit it. Your conversation around academia and your studies.、Uh, I, I was curious as you were pursuing, because mashallah, you are so well learned and from so many different sort of、mm-hmm. parts of the Muslim world, part d- of the tradition, a diversity, the diverse,、yeah. eclectic,、mm-hmm. uh, you know, a- academic career. Was there an end goal in mind when you started, or was it just the pursuit of knowledge? and You know, one thing led to another, and your, stud- your, your interests grew and expanded. Yeah, my、uh, experience at Harvard, especially at the Center for the Study of Religion, under the leadership of Cantwell Smith,、okay. uh, I did not find any、um, antagonism, any kind of, of、uh, mm-hmm. polemics. Yeah. And especially, I mean, there were di- dialogue, but、yeah. not polemics. Right.、Uh, right. So, I was not in a polemical kind of atmosphere. True.、Uh, not anti Islam or anti Christian, something like that. This was not the point. Right. So, we were studying, learning about、uh, other religions and,、uh, and, and having a kind of a peaceful atmosphere.、Yeah. So, I was kind of in that kind of atmosphere, and there was the encouragement of learning. Right. 
many great scholars there, giants of uh, uh, world history, world religions, as well as uh, Christian studies. Mm-hmm. So I took courses on Christianity and mm-hmm. uh, Christian history, right. ethics, right. Uh, study of New Testament and Old Testament. Uh, I learned some uh, Greek yeah. and, and, and some Hebrew, right. uh, Aramaic. So I wanted to study that. Yeah. And then so with this kind of uh, kind of background study, of course very much involved with the study and then family life and then the community life. <laughs> yeah. It was a yeah. busy of kind course. Of time. So I, I was asking more about like even when you began let's say Medina and you know, even Nadwatul like what was there always an end goal in mind? Like you had you wanted you had the intention to becoming, uh, you know, a professor or academia or, or imam, you know. That what was my primary goal to academic. go into academic life okay. and, and continue teaching and, and uh, studying and doing research. Understand. That's what I was doing. And uh, so, continued for work I bought for almost five years, six years at Harvard. Right. And I had children. Yeah. Uh, my a daughter was born there, and then after that, uh, I had uh, uh, my sons. I have three sons. I mean, f- four sons. Uh, I mean, four, four children, children. Four right. children. Uh-huh. Right. So three sons and one daughter. Okay. So your daughter's the oldest, and she was born in Cambridge. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Yeah. And um, so when um, around um, seventy-six. Um, Muslim World League opened an office in New York, and Dr. Ahmed Safar, rahimahullah, he was chosen to be the director of that office. So Dr. Ahmed Safar persuaded me that I take a leave from Harvard and come and help establishment of that office in New York at the United Nations. Uh, but he is such a persuasive person and uh, <laughs> such a convincing person. So yeah. after several meetings and calls and after calls and all these things, okay, I accepted that. He, he would go on to become a master <laughs> fundraiser, mashallah. So yeah, he mashallah. definitely was persuasive. So I accepted that and I moved okay. from uh, Cambridge to New Jersey. The office was in New York and I found a nice place in Teaneck, New Jersey. Teaneck. So I... Uh, they would go on to eventually vote a Muslim mayor. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a very nice city. So <laughs> That's I, right. I, I moved there Okay. Uh, with my family, with my children. Uh, and uh, uh, and the office was next to the United Nations. Yeah. So we used to go every Jum'ah there and pray at the United Nations. And there were people from different countries there. And very often I used to give khutbah at the, there. Um, so I spent about uh, one year or so at, uh, in New Jersey. Then I realized that I have to finish my PhD. I cannot just leave it. You had done the coursework. All, all the time, my yeah. thinking. Right. That uh, I used to go sometimes to Columbia University Library and uh, continue doing something, but t- too far to travel from Teaneck all the way to Columbia. And, right. Uh, so it was not that kind of way that like you go to Widener Library and everything is there accessible. Right. You know, Widener Library is a great library, more than a million books. And uh, anything that you look for, you find that there. 
So I, <coughs> and then other libraries at, at Harvard, uh, 90 libraries at Harvard at that time. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, that kind of atmosphere I was missing. That's so right. So I told Dr. Amistad, I have to go back and finish my PhD. So they agreed and they said, all right, you go, and, yeah. but, but you try to finish as quick as possible. Uh, so Alhamdulillah, I went back, moved actually, the whole household, we moved back to Cambridge, Massachusetts. And uh, we found another apartment at Harvard, at uh, Peabody Terrace, and we moved there. And uh, then uh, uh, my parents were visiting, so they were also with us, alhamdulillah. And uh, I started working on my thesis now, okay. although somewhat a little involved with the community, but mostly it was thesis. Right. So it took me about five months to finish that. So in 78, uh, I submitted my thesis. And alhamdulillah, it was accepted. And I got my degree for PhD. Then I decided, um, the, of course, at, at the office in New York, uh, they were waiting. They wanted me to come back. So, uh, so I went back. So we moved back. Okay. And that is the time when we uh, went to Teaneck. Okay. So, uh, right. So, yeah. Omar had asked about the, um, the, 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 now, the now very famous Hajj trip that yes. was sponsored. So and when I came to yeah. the Islamic, to the office right. in 77, 76, 77, there was this Hajj group. Okay. I had a very good contact with the Imam Barisuddin and uh, but by this point you had met him already huh? you had at this point of you had already met him met him and then Imam Siraj Wahad used to come almost uh, every other week to my office because he's in Brooklyn good, good discussion <laughs> Alhamdulillah right had a good discussion and uh, so uh, at that time they decided to have uh, Imam you know um, what is uh, Imam Barsuddin's father, Elijah Muhammad? Yes. He died in 1975. That's right. And he became the head of the organization and he tried to bring the people closer to the Sunni Islam, Sunni Islam to mainstream right. Islam. And uh, then he also told his imams oh. of uh, the, the, the black community that uh, they should go to Hajj. And Muslim World League uh, hosted them. Okay. So each one they purchased their own ticket, but once they arrived Mecca, uh, they were guests of Muslim World League. And their accommodation, food, and all these things, uh, Mecca and Medina, all was, was arranged. Right. So uh, Dr. Sakhar asked me to accompany the group. He he himself did not go. He was there. Oh, he was there. He himself. He Imam Siraj. Was, Imam Barisuddin Muhammad yeah. was there. Yeah. And a uh, number of people, uh, many, some of their senior imams today, they recognize that. So, oh, we were there. That's right. So We've actually had. So, so we, we actually had a charter flight. Okay, yeah. Charter some of this I've heard because we had, of course, Imam Siraj has been on the podcast and he shared his, his experiences. And then also, if you, if you recall, he's, he was an imam in Chicago, Imam um, Ibrahim. Ibrahim. Ibrahim Ismail. He. He's like the father-in-law to Sheikh Hamza's. Mm. I don't know. If, anyway, he's from Chicago. He was there yeah, on, on that trip. Our, from uh, was, uh, Los Angeles, we have several Imams. Imam really? Abdul Karim Hassan. Okay. What was the Syrian Imam. Mm. He was with us. 
So we were together okay. yeah, almost yes. more than 200. There you go. It was mm. a big wow, group. It was amazing. a big group. Yeah. And uh, we were all uh, in one plane. Yeah. And uh, I used to go to the cockpit and uh, speak and telling them about Hajj oh. and uh, mm. so all the on the journey. Yes, the uh, charter plane. At like that you time, said. you know, yeah. it's long before 9/11. Of course, you could go you in the go, cockpit. <laughs> you can go and you can speak <laughs> and do that. So we we were allowed. It's for our charter flight. That's Nobody right. Nobody else except, except we yeah. Muslim. Right. So uh, we did that, mm -hmm. and uh, yes, um, in this journey also, uh, my wife was with me, and she was with the sisters of the Afro American community, and. Um, So they had a good interaction. Wonderful. So we spent almost uh, two weeks. Yeah. And uh, that, and um, uh, there were a number of speakers uh, from uh, Arab countries, scholars. Muhammad Al Ghazali came, and at that time from Egypt. Uh, from Egypt, and mm. he spoke. I gave several lectures. Amazing. And, and I was uh, used to. I used to translate. Wow. His lectures. Amazing. Um, Mashallah. And then. Other people came. Yasser Arafat was there, and uh, he spoke, and they asked me to translate him for him. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so uh, I had to do that too, <coughs> and a uh, number of other people. Right. So we used to have good, good time conversation. Correct. And uh, after, uh, so I was uh, at the center, um, and at the at the office of the Muslim World League. In New as York. Uh, as the head of uh, the religious affairs uh, department. Okay. So that means uh, contact with all the Islamic centers in U.S. and Canada, uh -huh. and Islamic organizations, and uh, responding to them and uh, providing Islamic literature for them. When so when we, is we the published uh, translation of the Quran uh -huh. of uh, Marbudik Piktal? Was by the Muslim the World League. Muslim World League yeah, published one, uh, more than hundred thousand copies right. of that. I've seen that edition. So it was uh, edited. Yeah. Uh, with certain minor changes, and a beautiful printing cover mm. that was done, and they distributed to Islamic centers. Wonderful. Uh, I'm really, I'm really curious, kind of in the, the the at the big picture level. Are are you starting to see now? More and more momentum across the country with interest in Islam among among the Muslim community, or did that begin a little later in the 1980s? When, when, from your perspective, did you see kind of the shift and the and the acceleration of the interest and in the the acceleration building of masjids and so forth? Slowly, slowly, we saw the growth of the Islamic centers. Okay. In the 70s and uh, and and of course in the 80s became much much more, mm -hmm. but they were there, so. It was no more just a student organization, mm -hmm. but a student organization that was the community organization. Yeah. And this immigrant community. Right. And then Afro-American Afro communities. So there was um, mm -hmm. some interaction right. with the Amer American community and all and all the thing. And uh, so we, uh, after when we came back from the Hajj, that Imam Warsuddin allowed uh, His people, his imams of his community, to uh, to take more lessons. Correct. And then Muslim World League and the Imam Muhammad University of Riyadh and um, uh, Umm Al Qura University of Mecca together 
they organized a training program for imams. And this program was held at Nimperville, closer to Chicago. That's the one that Imam Ibrahim mentioned. So there about 100 imams or so they came. And there were scholars who came from Mecca to give lectures. And uh, also, I, t- I, I taught a course on comparative religion to all the imams. So, um, and this was like one month and a half program. Mm-hmm. So, they were staying in a hostel and uh, yeah. that was uh, rented by this, uh, and uh, all these great sc- scholars were coming from different places yeah. uh, the, in this program. So, uh, this was just after I finished my PhD and came back. Okay. So, uh, I went to Mecca when I was at Harvard, actually. Uh, I took a few days, a um, right. few weeks off. And, went there. Right. and then when this uh, training program happened, I, was fi- mm. I had finished my PhD. Yeah. Now, um, uh, that was 78, 79. Right. Uh, and then, um, so I was involved with the uh, with Muslim World League and the community work. And uh, uh, during this time, uh, I received uh, an invitation uh, from Washington, Islamic Center of Washington, that. Uh, uh, they are looking for the director for the Islamic Center because Dr. Abdul Rauf, he was retiring okay. after almost 10 years of uh, service. He was retiring and they said that we want if, if he could come and uh, take the position. So uh, I consulted with uh, the people at the Muslim World League mm-hmm. and I got a leave of absence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Without pay, of course. <laughs> so they said, yes, you can go. Uh, so I, that's how I moved from New York to Washington. Can you, because you're the first guest we've actually had on the show who's talked extensively about Muslim World League. Could you, you know, spend maybe just a few minutes for, again, our listeners who are not as familiar with, especially in the 70s and 80s, that was a big name. That name is no longer as common anymore. You know, you don't hear about the Muslim yeah. World League except in Muslim history World books. Muslim World League was established yeah. um, in uh, in the sixties. Okay. Uh, I was at, uh, actually there in Medina University when this university was, but the Muslim World League was established. Right. It was established during the time of conflict between Saudi Arabia and Egypt. Okay. So Abdul Nasser was uh, for Arab nationalism and all of this thing, and there was some. Uh, pushback p- problem yeah, between yeah. Saudi Arabia and Egypt certainly so Egypt establishes own uh, groups okay and that time uh, uh, Saudi Arabia okay they thought that to have a, a Muslim world league inviting okay. people so first meeting was held in Mecca uh, there were many people scholars from all over the world were brought and they came and they established Sayyid Ramadan was one of the uh, conveners. Okay. And Muhammad, Muhammad, Muhammad Sawaf and uh, Abu Hassan Ali Nadawi and other people and Mawlana Madudi. Sheikh Qaradawi? Huh? Qaradawi? Was on? Qaradawi. Qaradawi was. Uh, no, no, he okay. was not there okay, at okay. that time. Yeah. But, 
but uh, he used to come. Okay, right. That's what uh, I thought. That's how the the Muslim World League was founded. I see. As a organization of Muslim scholars, international Muslim scholars, and they were not all Salafis or Wahhabis. They are of different groups, different schools of thought, mm. and they were there. And it was this what they established. Right. So it is a, a, a religious body, just like after that, King Faisal uh, I was just about to ask established yeah. uh, OIC, which is called or Organization of Muslim Conference. I Islamic Conference. Islamic Conference, yeah. yeah. So it is, uh, it had its headquarters. That was a political body, and Muslim World League was a religious body. Uh, and then uh, Muslim World League established, started establishing offices all over the world. And one of the offices was for United States, which was also for U.S. and United Nations. Hmm. And Dr. Sakha was chosen to be the, the director of that office. So and they had the Islamic centers, uh, Islamic schools, uh, financially as well as other ways. Uh, People were needed some help, so they provided those helps, and uh, also sending teachers and imams to various centers. That means uh, scholars, either from overseas or from here, okay. uh, their salaries were paid by the Muslim League, yeah. mm -hmm. and uh, they started working. So yeah. why did this organization, to your point, Prabhupada, why yeah. did this organization kind of peak and then? Um, not really yeah, stick after around. After 9-11, of course, it, these offices were all closed. All closed. Mm. Because uh, what happened in 9-11, of the course. Ter terrible thing is Saudi right. Arabia had to reduce its activity. Oh, I see. Okay. So you're saying, so it was, because I stopped, I thought in the 80s, late 80s is when Muslim World League le became less, you know, as famous, you know, as, as famous as they were in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Dr. Sokra left Okay, see, I think there was a lot and of turnover. I, I left. Right. And, other, so and then other organizations, I think, also filled voids that were more national-based. True. Yeah, so th that's an interesting point. So um, we have uh, Islamic, uh, other Islamic groups. Right. And organizations that came, and these are more local organizations. That's what happened. Mm. Yeah, it became more localized. Got it, okay. The, so the kind of the world vision, pan-Islam yeah. pan vision, right, if right. you will. Of of uh, MWL Muslim World League uh, sort of waned. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, coming back to where you were, so you finished your PhD now, and now you get an invitation from the Islamic Center of Washington, hmm. which is of course that beautiful. It's w with the, all very the embassies, beautiful I mean, building. When was it? It was very nice, but at the same time, uh -huh. it, it was a terrible time because of uh, hostage crisis. Nineteen seventy nine, Iranian Revolution, and all of that's the, that. That is the period of time. Yeah, that was the period late of time. so seventy nine. So, hmm. Yeah, so I came uh, at the center with a great expectation and hope that I'm going to be at the capital of the country and at the great center, beautiful center. Uh, but what happened, that uh, I found almost we, every week uh, demonstrations outside the center. Because it was a very political atmosphere. Right. A demonstration against one country or the other country, against this, against that. So, uh, student bodies making demonstrations, people making demonstrations. And the center was, uh, it's the board of governors were ambassadors. 
of the Muslim countries. It's in a row of embassies. I mean, yes, I've been yes. there, right? So I can imagine if it's people protesting, a lot of political upheaval yeah. <coughs> is going on, then... Um, so I, yeah. I kind of uh, felt that I'm not in the right place. <laughs> yeah, I see. So, so I, was long, there, I yeah. was there for about an hour, uh, about a year and a half. Uh, then uh, I thought you you, you almost said an hour and a half. I was you were like <laughs> one hour. You're like, I'm done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> DC is enough for one hour. That's all you can stand. So I yeah. I yeah, um, yeah. was thinking to go back to my my job at Muslim World League. Uh huh. But at the same time, I was not sure whether should I go or not go. Uh, someone came from Orange County. Okay. At Great. that time, and visited me, mm -hmm. and uh, may Allah bless uh, our brother Adam Qureshi, uh, who came, uh -huh. and uh, so he saw what was happening, and uh, and he saw worry on my face. So he said, "Look, like you are not very happy here." Happy here, uh, and uh, we have established an organization, Islamic Society of Orange County, and we are looking for. Somebody to to lead the organization, be the director, religious yeah. director, imam here. Yeah. Uh, so come and visit us. Right. And if you like, you can join yeah. us. That's dangerous because one visit to California and, and, you're, and you're sold. I mean. <laughs> oh, that's the first time I came to <laughs> right. California. And here you are, uh, 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. And they, of so, course, they right. arranged my children to go to visit the land. So they got in. Oh, there now. you go. That was, the, that was the selling point for them, <laughs> this, right? This, it's icing, gotta, icing on the cake. Yeah, you gotta, yeah. you got to get everybody on the family on, on board, right? <laughs> so by this time, you so have I four. I came here yeah. and spent a uh, few days. And then I uh, I back, went back to Washington. Okay. And now brothers from here, from the Islamic Society of Orange County, started uh, calling me and sending letters and saying that uh, we'd like you to come, we'd like you to come. So yeah. uh, then my family and others, they said, let's go. So, so, so we decided, yeah. I came here in September, uh, 1981. September 1981. So this September will make 40. My math it's is just not been 40 years. It's just been 40 years completed. Uh, yeah. Wait. Okay. Right. Yeah. We no, just more than 40. Yeah. No, yeah, just finished. I'm saying this September will be 41. 22. 41. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah. I was trying to do math quick. <laughs> yeah. You're the engineer, Omar. Come on. So I am. Um, the center was very small. Center was very small, but just the one building, mm -hmm. and uh, the old church that was converted into a masjid, which we are using now as uh, several offices. We're sitting on that same property then. Yes, yeah, so the property has always been here. Yeah, this property. Okay, at that time, what would you estimate the community? You know, I mean, on Friday we used to have uh, like a hundred people okay. for prayer, and then we had eat prayer. Half of the masjid was. Uh, I see. Uh, but was Islamic? I'm um, sorry. Was the Islamic Center of Southern California already established? Islamic Center of Southern California was there. Dr. Mahira Tooth was there. I was just about mm. to ask you about the Hotooth brothers, uh, mashallah. And uh, then this was. Okay. Center. Uh -huh. Islamic Society of Orange County, and there was another center, Afro American Center, Masjid Bilal. In L.A. In L.A. Los and, Angeles. Uh, in Riverside, there was uh, Islamic. There were okay. three, four centers. That's at it. The time. Yeah. Small. Yeah. 
and this was also a small community right so so i came as said <laughs> accepted Accepted. and yeah. your children said disneyland <laughs> so yeah. okay i mean i was living uh, in front of the islamic center for washington uh, the nice big house okay uh, three floors and nine bedrooms and mm-hmm. yeah housing. but uh, i came here just took a small house uh, three bedroom and uh, rented it and so sorry and yeah. then we started our life here in California, Alhamdulillah. Okay. It was... I'm going um, to pause. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll come right back, sorry. Yeah. Um, your mic's yeah, bothering this, you. Yeah, this is fine. This is That's not worth it. Yeah, okay. yeah so always better to stop and edit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, and then the other thing is you use. Something happened that... Yeah. Is it all right? Yeah, I don't want to scratch it. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can move exactly. There you go. Now just shift this around however you want it. Okay. No, no. Here. Hold it. Maybe that would be. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. That works. Yeah. Okay. okay. And then uh, just, just t- time you, check as well. Well, uh, you, you, what time? I don't want to keep you. About fifteen twenty minutes. Yeah. Okay, where, 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 I, where I, he said three o'clock? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. yeah, yeah. So okay. we can so kind of skip to 9-11, basically skip to 9. No, no, wait, we want to talk a little bit about ISNA, 9-11, and then we'll just yeah. kind of conclude okay. with your advice to the community. Yeah. What do you think some of the challenges are now, obviously years after 9-11? That's the really interesting yeah. part. So right? let's talk, so that would be the, the kind of agenda for the next, yeah. so I, I want you to, you know, have, you know, Pace your story, you know, your, your, yourself according to those, ma- I guess, three, four main areas yeah. that we want to cover, yep. right? Okay. All right. So, um, so you were in the middle. Of something. Remind me where we were exactly. What were you seeing? So our, after coming here, I found that there was, uh, I mean, there are a lot of activities in the East Coast. Right. But in the West Coast, there was not much. Right. A uh, few centers, but there was not much activity. They did not know each other and all those things. So I thought that we should uh, do something, so activate the West Coast with, for, and so uh, I suggested to the community here that we should have a CIRA conference. Okay. And uh, so we, st- we had an international CIRA conference. Uh, that was something that uh, excited the people, CIRA and international. And uh, with my acquaintance with many scholars overseas, that's right. I, I brought many scholars from overseas here, and we organized that. Alhamdulillah, it was very successful. And then uh, people said that we should have it again, and uh, we started doing that every other year. So we continued for almost uh, 20 years this uh, conference, mm. and it became like uh, it put us on the map. Uh-huh. I was going to say... And, and people, scholars, and others will come. And it also helped uh, uh, the uh, Southern California community to come closer. Right. So various centers, actually, we in the very first meeting, we had uh, brought the, uh, the imams and the presidents of various Islamic centers to meet. As and like a that became, that became the 
the beginning of the Shura Council of Southern California. Correct. Which was established later in 1995. Right. But uh, that was community okay. relations. Right. So it helped uh, both growth of the Islamic society. We started purchasing the adjacent properties. Uh, so we have now almost six acres of, of land. Yeah. And Islamic society was surrounded by dog kennels. By? Dog kennels. Oh, okay. No. Dog. Yeah, <laughs> 300 dogs on the right side. And, uh, <laughs> So this area just was known for dog kennels. So okay. To, yeah. Used to hear like uh, barking of the dogs at the time of prayers and all those things right. and smell. Right. Yeah. When, the, when there was any rain or anything like that, so it's I used to pray Allah Subhanahu wa Taala help us so that we can get rid of this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Alhamdulillah, so we were able to get clean the whole area. Mm. Yeah. There's the the carry street was uh, not a paved street. And sometime during the night, people used to come and drink and uh, throw the bottles on our property. So we put a fence there right. and persuaded the city to make a paved uh, street yeah. and have more light and all those things. Right. So Alhamdulillah, the area became clear and clean mm -hmm. and safe for everybody. And families started coming and moving in this uh, in this area. Right. So Alhamdulillah, yeah. Islamic Center developed. And we established a school here. Okay. In 1983, we established our Orange Crescent School, right. Alhamdulillah, which has become one of the largest schools. And uh, Shura Council, my involvement. And then also I became uh, adjunct professor at uh, California State University, Fullerton. Okay. Uh, I started teaching there. Uh, course in comparative religion and a course in uh, Islam. Mm -hmm. So I started teaching two courses there and, uh, at uh, Fuller University. Fuller, yeah. mm -hmm. And then also I, after that I was uh, asked uh, at the Cal State Long Beach to teach a course there. And then Chapman University asked me. So I uh, could have, I mean, uh, there was an offer that I become full-time Professor at the university, but I somehow got busy with the, all this activity here, and with the ISNA, so I did not accept that. Your involvement with ISNA began. I mean, well, obviously you were already involved with the MSA. Um, had ISNA developed like a FIC council, or that that comes later? That's uh, the religious affairs committee became the FIC council. Understood. Dr. Tahar Jabir Alwani, yes, he was the head of the, the the committee. A giant. And he is the one who changed it to the Fiqh Council. I see. And in 2008, he wrote to me and he said, I want you to take over the Fiqh Council. And so then I became the head of the Fiqh Council. To the current day. To the current, yeah, okay. now. So I... Uh, one of your junior members is, is a classmate, uh, Yasser Qadi. Yeah. Yasser Qadi is there. <laughs> right, now right. Is now we invited him and he became the member. That's right. right. And then yeah. Dr. Zulfuqar Ali Shah. Yeah, very recently. Now, and Dr. Zainab Alwani, the yes. daughter of uh, Dr. Taha Jahid. Taha is also vice chairperson. MashaAllah, okay. Yeah, okay. so it's become. Yeah. You know, there was now recently. When I was, uh, the fatawa. They produced the, fatawa still. In yeah. the Fiqh Council, mm -hmm. 
Uh, and then I became president of ISNA. When does that happen? In 94. Okay. 1994. Okay. Yeah. So I have to say two things. So my first ISNA was 1993. So I think at that time it was still Sheikh Abdullah Idris Ali. Uh, or it might have been you. I don't remember. But anyway, yeah. 94 was my... Th 93... No, 94 was my first ISNA. Sorry. The Chicago. Uh, and I think that's when you were inducted in, as the president. Yeah. Um, but you... The first time I hear your name and you... I start actually reading a lot. I'm probably... I mean, obviously not your writings, but... Uh, Pakistan Link. <laughs> the Pakistan Link used to do a column with you. You did a yeah. column at the Pakistan Link. Pakistan Link was a magazine here locally. Local. Mm -hmm. And so it was a it was a Q&A. People would send in questions for uh, fatwa essentially, like fiqh questions and Dr. Siddiqui would answer them. Mm -hmm. But what Pakistan Link did was was amazing in the early days. This is like internet, mm -hmm. you know, beta internet, mm -hmm. not even mm -hmm. in internet 1.0. <laughs> this is internet be beta internet. Um, Pakistan Link had a had a website hmm. and they compiled all of Dr. Siddiqui's responses. So you would go there and it was searchable index. You know, this is yeah. still, right? For 90s? Yeah. It's pretty advanced. So you could go there and read Dr. Siddiqui's responses to every issue under the sun. And so, mashallah, you know, his responses. like, And then, so then uh, what I did I was... was <laughs> yeah, uh, saving the questions and answering them yeah. on, a, on a weekly basis. That's right. Every Friday and then or something. also I started a radio program. Oh, Okay. Through Pakistan, so I'm kind of familiar with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Your microphone set up. So, so I, I used to have a weekly radio program. Uh, in the beginning, it was lectures that I used to give every Saturday morning yeah. uh, for about uh, one hour. Mm -hmm. And then after that, uh, I started doing the Quranic lessons. MashaAllah, like yeah. So we continued continue yeah. about 20 years or so. Wow. See, now that didn't reach us in Houston, but <laughs> Pakistan Link, I remember the yeah. articles used to reach us. And so then what I did was I, I, I printed them all out. Like, this <laughs> is course. old school. Printed out, you know, wasted a whole bunch of trees uh, and then put them in binders. And then we used to use some of your, we used to use your fatawas as like discussion conversations for our halakas um, in Houston. So yes, you've, you've been a part of my life for a very, very long time, even though I wasn't part of your community yeah. here, mashallah. Yeah. So then when I went to Isna in 94, I finally saw you. I said, okay, so this is Dr. Muzalma Siddiqui. Um, and uh, years later, we, we would invite you uh, to Houston uh, for the, with the organization that you know, we were running, and you came in 1999. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, in 1994, but, Isna, uh, alhamdulillah, was growing. Okay. Then we had our our convention in Chicago. That was the big one. Which was about 12,000 people or yeah. so. And then after that... Uh, 20,000, 40,000. 40,000, right. yes. That's a very large number. So you served as president until 2001? Yeah, almost. So 9-11, you were president? Yeah, I was... Uh, Sheikh Mohammed Noor became afterward. Me, the Sheikh Mohammed Abdul. He had not taken yet his... Uh, Position. So that fell so on your I was there watch, and then the, this terrible thing happened. Right. The 9/11. I was in Washington at that time, well, traveling. Were you were you there already? Yeah, I was already there. And then, of course, for again a lot of people who uh, probably so saw you on television. When then uh, this happened, uh, of course I could not uh, travel, so I was Grounding. at my brother's home in Virginia, and uh, then. Uh, Second day or third day, 
I received a call from the White House that there will be a prayer service at the National Cathedral, and uh, they said, "Would you be? Would you come and join yeah. the president and uh, and give a prayer?" I said, "Of course, I'll be. It will be right. an honor." So I uh, went there and and had. Uh, I mean, they asked me to yeah. don't make it for more than two minutes. <laughs> it was very nice. <laughs> and uh, I have to and, say, and then. Um, uh, write down everything, and uh, they edited it. <laughs> they oh, it was out, edited. Took okay. out something mm. at the same time, but it was. So, as people like us who were living nine eleven, and obviously the you know the horrors of that day. Uh, but uh, at there at that time, there was everybody, almost everybody there. I mean, all the presidents were there. That's what I mean. So, for us as Muslims, and so now you're seeing from the layperson responding, uh, within days, uh, one it was doctor, it was. Um, George Bush's visit to the mosque in Baltimore, that I remember, and then the prayer service. I don't remember the timeline, but all these three th things happened together all at once that gave the majority of us who were living and experiencing the fear of what's going to happen, not only for Muslims, but just the shock of what had already happened. Mm -hmm. I remember three events were of such comfort and solace to us, and I think I speak to like a, a good chunk of Americans, Muslim Americans, when I say this. One was that visit to the mosque in, in Baltimore. The other was the prayer service where you gave the prayer and, and you represented the Muslims. And then I think the third would be you know, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf being at the, um, uh, the uh, address that the president gave to both houses. He was there. Hmm. Um, and so again, I don't remember the timeline, but you know, just your words, seeing it no, on ABC. First of all, the prayer. Because that was like happened. two days after, three yeah. days after. Tuesday was 9-11, Friday was the prayer service. Friday the prayer service. Right, so that was the first thing that happened. Oh, and that was around noontime. Okay. So, um, heard the service, and then after that, immediately I went to the Islamic Center for prayer. That was the same day? Same day, yeah. Oh. And uh, in the prayer service, uh, you had uh, senior push, yeah. And then also Carter and then uh, Clinton. Clinton. And a um, number of other presidents were there. Right. So I remember that um, they all, I was sitting in front of them, you know, I was uh, towards the stage. Oh, right. And facing them. And I went up to do the prayer. And uh, uh, like I sat down, so. Senior Bush, he winked towards me. This means good. Right. And uh, Clinton said, <laughs> like that. <laughs> Gave you like a, an, uh, you did uh, like okay, an okay sign. Okay yeah. sign. Yeah. Uh, and, and winking is probably like the Texas hello. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, Friendly uh, hello. Then I, after that, we, were, we went to the, um, the priest room. Okay. And there the President Bush came. And I he see. shook hand to all with all of us and thanked us. And uh, we said, we express our sorrow and sadness. Um, so, and then I said that uh, after your election, uh, we, the Muslims, uh, wanted very much to meet with you and yeah. some leaders. Uh, but this thing happened, we could not. Right. So he invited us a week after that. Okay. And, uh, to the White House and met us there. Okay. And uh, so there were only 15 of us. Fifteen Muslim leaders from the country. 
Al Sayyid, the late, yeah, Rahimullah, Rahimullah also. Yeah. Number of other people. Right. So, <coughs> but uh, the people who gathered there, he took few of those of us inside the Oval Office. Okay. So I was there in the Oval Office, and uh, uh, he said, "You did a heck of a good job. <laughs> heck of a good prayer." <laughs> <laughs> Very George Bush Jr. Very terminology Bush. there. Heck so, of a job, Brownie. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. After <laughs> Katrina. <laughs> yeah. So I had took a copy of the Quran with me. Okay. And I, after the we gathered, I stood up. Yeah. I went close to him and said to him that I am told by some people that you read Bible every day. He said, yes, I do. I said, well, sometime if you like to read Quran also and you see. Right that uh, whatever happened it had nothing to do with the Quran. Mm -hmm. So he said, I will do okay. I, I don't know if he did it or not, but right. he said that. And so he took uh, the copy of the Quran, put it here like that, and then we were taken to the Roosevelt room. And uh, they were all the other brothers uh, who were from the Muslim community. They were there, right. sitting there. And the whole media was all over. Mm. Suddenly they came and uh, he put the Quran in front of him and I was sitting next to him because he asked me to sit next to him. Okay. And then uh, the Quran said, uh, and then he said to the media, the Imam has given me a copy of the Quran. Ah. And that. And okay. And, uh, I think I saw pictures of this event. After that, uh, after we had a meeting, mm -hmm. then he stood and he held my hand and said, pray for us. Nice. So I made a prayer. Mm. Uh, the situation was at that time was nothing like anti-Islam feelings, but they started yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he went to Islamic Center and he spoke okay. after that. Yeah. And then, of course, he gave his uh, national address. Right. In which Dr. Uh, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf was there yes. and other people. Right. Actually, he was going after the prayer service. He was going to New York to the zero ground zero. Ground zero. Right. And uh, the media asked me if I would join. Okay. But I could not make it. Okay. Then, uh, I, I wish I had gone there. Right. So they were thinking that if I go with the president there uh, uh, to the ground zero. But he invited me after the f the the five years yeah. they had a meeting right. at the ground zero. Oh, so I, the I, anniversary I of 9-11. I went there. Mm. You know, I mean, say what, I, I think a lot of Muslims who look back at that time, who either were not around, or people who were present, I think they react very differently to what happened. Because people who, who weren't around during 9-11, and they only read about it, and then they see what happened, the wars and so on, they have a very different lens mm -hmm. with which they view, I'm not by any means condoning what mm -hmm. George Bush did in the wars no, no, in Iraq we, we and Afghanistan. Should, uh, we yeah. should Muslim organizations, right. major Muslim organizations, right. They issued a uh, joint statement condemning no. only first day. That's right. First day, people don't report that. No, but yeah. This was done. No, you're right. On, yeah. On the phone, we were together. Right. And we issued a statement condemning that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's right. No, what I'm saying is like I'm the response among Muslims. So, like for those who lived it, um, you know, there wasn't yeah, an, it, like a, there could have been an immediate reaction by the administration to not go out of their way, which is what they did, mm -hmm. to go out of their way to make sure that the Muslim community in America felt safe. Mm -hmm. 
like for the president to one of the first orders of business to do a prayer service and then to invite Dr. Muzama Sadiqi mm-hmm. for him to visit the uh, a major Islamic center in DMV, you know, in that area in the like Detroit in the um, DC metro area. Those are all big things. Mm-hmm. And like he like like um, Dr. Sadiqi just said, you know, he held the Quran and said that the Imam gave me this to read mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. I, you know, <clears throat> that's uh, that's going out of your way mm-hmm. to make sure that the Muslims in America felt safe. And that says a lot. I mean, again, cool. notwithstanding the wars and everything else George Bush did, um, no, you know, fo- foreign policy. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think that there's a very real chance that had things gone the other way, mm-hmm. you know, if it was Trump, who knows, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. somebody else was in office, I think things could have been very different for Muslims in America after 9-11. So... For those of us who lived it, but um, anyway, as we begin to sort of conclude, um, first of all, thank you again for your generosity uh, with your time. Um, at, you're still serving full time as Imam here at the um, Islamic Center of Orange County. Yeah, I'm in my uh, I'm religious director here. Religious director, yeah. okay, mashallah, and. Um, so what advice, I guess, as you've seen this community grow and blossom, you know, I, me and Omar were just talking about this last night, um, you know, the tremendous amount of wealth and resources that we now have as a community. We've gone from building Islamic centers to schools to now, uh, you know, third spaces and other, you know, now we have registered uh, academic, right, academic institutions mm-hmm. that are certified and recognized by their local state and national bodies, whether it's Zaytuna College or Darul Qasim in Chicago, just got their, um, you know, their accreditation. So you've seen the growth of the community. So from your perspective, you know, what do you what do you see as the challenges sort of going forward? I mean, you know. Alhamdulillah, we thank Allah Subhanahu yeah. Taala, and we should be very grateful. Thank uh, you. to Allah Subhanahu Taala as well as our community. Yeah. Uh, especially a uh, lot of uh, scholars and Absolutely. imams and leaders who have been uh, working and uh, trying to establish good relations with other people. Yeah. And at the same time also our interfaith partners, uh, Christians and Jews uh, and all of this, we have meetings with them. So we should appreciate all this, the right. work, especially our relation and then also our involvement in the with the government, right. uh, regardless whether we agree with certain policies or we don't, but uh, our involvement is very important. We have to participate and see that uh, there is peaceful atmosphere. Nobody should do any stupid thing uh, or uh, this horrible thing that happened at 9/11. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that about that. We have to work together on that, uh, and also correcting the image of Islam because. Mm-hmm. A lot of people after 9-11, they, they associate Islam with terrorism, with, with horrible violence and all those things. Right. So, uh, Alhamdulillah, people have worked very hard on that to bring a better understanding. But still, we need that. Yeah. We need people who are patient and who are uh, working with uh, wisdom, with understanding. Right. Uh, uh, statements, Alhamdulillah, now People used to say whatever they want to say and the khutbahs and all those things. But it is very important people will watch their words and watch and say the right thing in the right way. Right. 
That's right. Invite to the way of your Lord with wisdom, with good preaching, that we should do. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, most people are doing that. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, this is the what is needed very much. Our Imams, mashallah, some of them are excellent, highly educated, very articulate Imams in different places, and more and more Allah coming. This is what they have to do. And pay attention to Masajid. I know it's not easy to stick to some place, yeah. but uh, it needs some patience, it needs some working with the community. Right. And Alhamdulillah communities, we have to make sure that our community remain united, uh, no ethnicity, you know, ethnic uh, divisions, this is Indo-Pakistani, this is Arab, this is Afro-American, this is this and this is that. No, we have to work together. We have to see more and more councils are working together. Cooperation, collaboration, especially our involvement with the Afro-American community. Mm -hmm. Very, very important that we should have that. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, political involvement as well. Participation in the, in, uh, in election. Right, local in, level, uh, national level. You have level. to raise the consciousness of the people, bring the right kind of candidates so that we understand them and listen to them. Of course, our religious organization cannot endorse any candidate, but yeah. we can bring them so That's that right. community understand who are the people and the, whether they are Democrats or they are Republicans. Mm -hmm. They have to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, that is uh, and contributions. Uh, participation, involvement, uh, helping, volunteer work, all these people, sometimes they think that it's just at election time, but election time is not the only time. Yeah. Participation has to be the throughout the year. Mm. We should always be involved in that. Mm. So, alhamdulillah, I think that's Thank probably you. a good place to uh, course, uh, start our stop our conversation for now. And in, who knows, inshallah, we'll continue the conversation again. But this was a great, great couple hours we spent. Yeah. We got to hear all about your experiences um, and and also get your advice. So, jazakallah khair. We really appreciate it. I think our our listeners are going to yeah. appreciate it as well. Like I said, I mean, you know, I, as I mentioned to you, Dr. Sadeghi, you know, we started the show to capture the stories of people and the giants in our community and the pioneers of our community whose shoulders we stand on. I keep saying that, but you know, when you're sitting across someone with someone like Dr. Siddiqui, it's hard not to say that because you're in the presence of the giants and the pioneers of our community. So may Allah preserve you, give you good health. Um, mashallah, you have four children. I want to. I don't want to leave without uh, asking about your grandchildren. How many grandchildren do you yeah, have? Ten grandchildren. Okay. And okay. one great grand. Wow, okay, there you go. Um, as someone who's the age of our parents, so uh, yes. please remember us and the show and our listeners in your du'as. Um, and uh, as always, listeners, uh, thank you as, you know, always as listening for, for, for listening. Um, we'll look forward to bringing you more episodes for the rest of the summer. Um, we want to thank Dr. Siddiqui uh, on behalf of me and Omar uh, for joining us uh, and giving us and being so gracious and generous with his time. Um, as always, you can catch us on the next episode of Diffuse Congruence. Email us at diffusecongruence at gmail.com. And also uh, leave us any feedback on uh, iTunes or Twitter. And uh, we look forward to catching you on the next episode. Barakallah feekum. May Allah bless you for all your effort. Thank you. work that you are doing there. Jazakallah Thank you. Ameen. Allahumma ameen. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana tamwakina azab Allah.
اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى يا حي قيوم برحمتك نستغيث أصلح لنا شأننا كله ولا تكلنا إلى أنفسنا طرفة عين ولا أقل من ذلك It's a beautiful dua that Rasulullah taught to his daughter Amen. And he said Fatima that don't forget that <laughs> you should say this dua morning and evening يا حي قيوم برحمتك أستغيث أصلح لي شأني كله Hmm. And for oh, those oh. listening, you can translate. Uh, yeah. Oh, the Hayy and Qayyum. Ever living. Known as some people yeah. say, Asmillahi yeah. al-Azam. This is the great name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only living one, oh, the one who maintains everything, manages everything. I seek your Rahmah. I seek help through your Rahmah. Birahmatik Aslah li shani kulla. All my affairs make them good. Uh, rectify, correct all my things and do not leave me to my own resources even for the twinkling of an eye Ameen Ameen Thank you Assalamu alaikum